sing so I'm get some pussy. Oh, baby, I like it, bro. Hello, this is Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm Joe. And I'm JP. Hello, lads. I said we're the official podcast of Grapple. Should I have gone with the official podcast of Toby Carvey? Is that true now? We Joe, tried. Last, Joe, last week was our most downloaded episode ever. Now, I want to blame... I want to blame the Toby Carvery stuff. I'm pretty sure it is that. Although the Podbean did have some issues, so maybe that's contributed to it as well. <laughs> but honestly, I think uh, Joe and roast dinners equals ratings. I don't think we've had we've never had as many listeners, at least on Grapple, and we've I've never had as many people at live shows come up to me and just say the word roast dinner. Uh, you're onto something here, Joe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You don't want that Toby Carr response now? No, uh... Well, at least the years that I've suffered roast dinners have paid off eventually. Those <laughs> 23 years that I lived at home, 23 years of eating shite roast dinners, mostly twice a week, it's, it's all paying off now. Pa- paid off sweet. with a tweet from Toby Carvery. Yeah, when the sweet down. Toby Carvery money starts rolling in, I'll be thinking, <laughs> Mum, the years of suffering... They've paid off. Would you willingly lie on an advert on this if Toby Carvery didn't about them? Um, There's a tester. Mm, Straight in there with the big questions. I, what, I, what? So I'd be advertising. So I'd be doing like a Jericho yeah. Stone Cold style yeah. advert. Um, I'd leave. Now maybe we could um, make it show specific, and we could have like a bit of a back and forth about um, uh, you'll be down Toby Carvery, but I'll be sat home miserable or something like that, where you'll be. Uh, Eating roast spuds, or I don't know, something like we could, we could find a way of making yeah. it work. They sell other things, Toby Carvery. You know, you could get yourself a nice Did soup, they? or they have like uh, all you can eat fry ups in the mornings. They have, oh, nah. <laughs> nah, I'm just nah. desperately trying to pull that one out of you. Uh, one day, um, <laughs> soup. I wouldn't go out and pay for soup. Oh. I don't mind soup at home, but I certainly ain't paying for outside of the house. Um, <laughs> what if you did the salad job? So again, what if they do a nice salad? Are you in? I don't think Toby Carvery would because I'm a bit of a salad snob. Mm. And the type of salad they would sell salad, yeah. would be, yeah, I know, yeah. limp lettuce, bit of cucumber, uh, probably wheat tomatoes, probably the kind of stuff that, like an old school salad, the kind of salad my nan would cook up. There wouldn't be any modern day variation of salad with. Uh, She'd have salad cream on it, would she? You know? Oh, yeah, loves a bit. I, I like a bit of salad cream from time to time. But, um, it appears to be dying a death, maybe. It's just me. It, yeah, it really is. It's dying of a generation. Do you ever have it, Benno? Salad cream? It's just bland, mate. It's not for me. Like, I, I don't do. Yes. I don't do dairy in general. Is, is there dairy in it? There's dairy in it, right? Yeah, it's cream, yeah, so surely. Yeah. I don't yeah. do dairy in general. I'm not a mayonnaise guy either. Yeah. I mean, I actually, I had a vegan roast the other day. That was very nice. I don't know if that would change your mind, uh, Joe, but yeah, I just don't. Condiments like a, that aren't for me. What made you have a vegan roast? Yeah, like, you know, again, I don't do the dairy thing, so I do like to You're watching too much like bloody wrestling, mate. Vegan that's food, what yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had... Uh, not as heavy, of... not as heavy. I think that's what yeah. I want to measure. My girlfriend's dad has made his nut roast, and I've had a, a nut roast roast a couple of times mm-hmm. and as far as roast dinners go didn't mind it oh. I, I wouldn't say wouldn't say it'd be a breakthrough. The, not a breakthrough um because i wouldn't choose it <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy to eat it whereas when jp cooks that roast for me i'm fearing the worst because the pictures i've seen of his roast they look bleak at best one that you had to be there mate it was awesome <laughs> It was. It was fucking. Mate, awesome. you tell me that Jeff Jarrett and Kevin Nash had an awesome match at a TNA paper. We went back to this again. Which one? Which one? I, 
<laughs> against all odds, 2000. And as soon as we talk about it, we found we Melter's review and he gave it half a star. So I, I'm not wow. suspecting it was good, mate. Is this Kings of Wrestling era? Uh, 2005, so JP would be the man uh, who would prefer this to. Would it be Kings of Wrestling? No, slightly later on. Oh, interesting. This is Kevin Nash when he came out to like he came out to the instrumental of ODB. TNA. What's up? It was short hair Nash and TNA. Yeah, because that that's when he came out to like the instrumental of uh, ODB. Uh, oh baby, we like it raw. That one. Uh, he came out to. It was always one of those weird, great TNA knockoff themes. That's the main I thing I remember. remember that. That one. Is in Oh baby, I like it raw. That one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do not remember that. <laughs> Kevin Nash and TNA. The They're Alex Shelley saving stuff. That was good. Yeah, oh, that was brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Jay Lethal as well, actually. Oh, it was yeah. quite funny in that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> His backstage stuff talking it was about Madagascar pro wrestling and three sided rings. Um, you can't you can't get sick you can't get sixty thousand people in Madison Square Garden. You could that night. One of the best lines of all time. All I'll say is on the roast dinner thing, if there was a roast dinner on offer with Kevin Nash, I would eat it. And Kevin yeah. Nash is coming to Southampton, St. Mary's Stadium, one of the conference rooms. Last one was in there, my year eleven prom. And if uh, Kevin Nash fancies a roast dinner in Southampton at a Toby Carvery, we can get it for three. I will eat a roast dinner with Kevin Nash. As will <laughs> you get oh, a king size, you know he 150%. Would. You also stated, would there be any chance of getting Matt Letizier in there as well to see Kevin Nash? Letizia Nash? Just for him to go along into the crowd. Big big NWO fan. Letizier? Yes. Mate, Letizier was knocking in 30 goals a season when the NWO was a thing. He wasn't watching the NWO. Might have been. Chill out. He, he was doing Letizia things. He'd be more, be more of a technical wrestling fan, he strikes me as. You know, little tricks and stuff, like a, I don't know, Zack Sabre kind of wrestler, like that type yeah, of stuff I, I think he'd be it, into. Yeah. But maybe, I, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming most of that Soccer Saturday panel will have been watching, like, World of Sports, certainly. Who do you reckon Paul Merson's into? He like a messy wrestler. I reckon like Hacksaw Jim Duggan, something like that. Jimmy Avott. <laughs> He, he can see him, he can see himself in Jimmy Avoc. All the pints, probably a few bets going on Avoc's phone. He's not down the bookies like Merson was, but you know, I'm just assuming wild things about Jimmy Havoc and gambling. But I reckon the Sandman's more a Paul Merson. <laughs> Phil Thompson. Oh fuck me. Rick Zach Gibson. <laughs> Easy. That was who came to mind. No, I quite like Zach Gibson, that, wouldn't so. he? He'd be all right about that, though, Zach Gibson, mm. being compared to Phil Thompson. There you go. No, Phil Thompson can be the Robbie Brookside of the world, the, the overrated Scouser. There you go. <laughs> overrated Frank old Sloan. man Scouser. Yeah, that's Frank, yeah. At least <laughs> from Blackpool, though, he doesn't count. Frankie Sloan? Oh, I think so. Was he any good? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. He, he doesn't like inside terms, old Frankie, so whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's 1984. So we went from roast dinners to... Arsenal players again to slagging off condiments to slagging off uh, Frankie Sloan and Robbie Brookside again. Typical yeah, it's, it's hitting the old classics. Get a yeah. soap reference in there soon and <laughs> we'll have completed Brookside Spotlight Bingo. Brookside, inherent soap yeah. reference in there, mate. <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say going back to the condiments, like if you if you if you think salad cream's down, is that your favourite condiment? Like what what is your condiment of choice? I, I go Frank's red hot sauce, does that count as a condiment? Because I'm kind of a hot sauce kind of guy. Yeah, I'd say it that's, is. A, that's a condiment. Yeah. If I'm having hot sauce, I like a sauce, sauce. I like a bit of chalua. Ah, that's a good sauce. I've got some of that in the mm. fridge. Yeah, yeah. Nice and tangy. Yeah. I'm kind of weird about condiments. That's the thing I find myself liking more than anything else is Worcester sauce. Call me boring. Love it. No, old school. 
Yeah. Like on a bit of cheese on toast. Yes. Yeah. I've a bit of cheese on toast recently. What's the sauce crisps, JP? How do you feel about that as a, as a flavour? Oh, that's, that's a bit old school. You don't see them very often. They are. I'm, I'm all right. I'm, I'm, I'm fine with them. They were never the favourites, but if you were having one of those big multi-packs mm. and everyone had gone for the usual, your smoky bacon. Now, the Worcester sauce would be the first I'd be having. Really? Oh, I loved them, yeah. Oh, it was it was fights over other stuff. But if Worcester sauce there, I was like, I'm all right with this. <laughs> You're on your um, Aldi Monster Bunch these days, aren't you? Well, it's not for me. It's for the kids. But I don't think Max likes those flaming hot ones. Basically, hook. Have you you've had them before? Now, what, what are they called? Called? What are the Aldi Monster, Monster Munch called? Monster Claws. <laughs> JP was talking to one of the uh, business managers and accounting teachers at work about how he'd been on the Aldi Monster Munch recently to absolute bemusement. It was a hilarious <laughs> conversation to experience, and he got zero response. <laughs> Think That's of, partly what I'm going for, isn't yeah. it? Just to make you laugh. <laughs> think of the extra package you can get, JP, for the same price. I get you thinking. That's very business-minded. Mate, yeah. I'm all about those budget supermarkets. Anyone who knows me, I love it. Lid will open up around the corner from you soon, isn't it? Uh, I'll be buzzing that day, so I don't go anywhere near that bloody Matalan. How did you feel about Neto down south? Like, uh, uh, it didn't well, really come down south. No, was it off to Sophia? You'd find the odd netto here and there, mm. but it was quick save as a thing for a bit. Yeah, um, quick save wasn't as yeah. common as it was up north. The last quick save I ever saw was on my way back from Ring of Honor in 2007. We stopped outside of a quick yeah, save somewhere outside of Liverpool. Yeah. <laughs> quick save with the, or- the originator of the no frills crisps, like they literally said no frills yeah. on them. Oh yeah, that was the yeah. thing in Liverpool. Like, yeah, if your mum shopped at quick save or netto, you just you ain't you ain't gonna live that down. Like it was. Bad stuff. Yeah, and that year when Liverpool came out with that golden black uh, kit, and it was just the Neto kit, like you might as well have just been wearing a Neto, a Neto bag on your shoulders. Uh, oh, we beat we beat people. Liverpool in that Letizia hat trick at the Dell ninety three ninety four. Yeah, Full good game. <laughs> yeah, two penalties though, so not the greatest hat trick. <laughs> uh, I was going to say that there was a Neto in Wood Green. And above it was a really dodgy snooker club. I know this sounds like a very JP on-brand story again, but I used to go to said snooker club. We used to go down there, like, occasionally, because you could just get served when you were 16, but it was really shifty, and you had to go down this really dodgy alleyway around the back of that big sh- uh, wood green shopping yeah, centre. Yeah. It's not a place to, like, knock around at, like, midnight. What were the blokes was... down there, like? I kind of kept myself to myself, really. Okay. It's it, kind of the rule of thumb around there it's just like I'm not going to interfere in anybody else's business unless I really have to you any good at snooker all right dance Uh, once I get my rhythm up I'm okay but I'm not great okay I'd like to see you throwing a few hours. Pub sports should really be my thing. <laughs> I can imagine Next you being good on the on the juke on the uh, the pub quiz machine. I think that would be JP's forte. I'm I'm all right at that type of stuff. Okay. I don't play fruities or anything else, but pub quiz stuff, I love that. Hold on, last week you told me you used to play them all the time. I did. I used to, and then I had to stop when I was about 18 years old at the time. No, a bit older than that. I was at university. Did you ever win? Yeah. I'd like three big wins, 200 quid. <laughs> I've just moved Four to... Four reeler fruit machines in the student union bar because I worked there, so I used to watch people filling it up and I got in, got 200 quid. That was a great shift. Got like 20 quid for the shift. <laughs> but next to 200, it just looked like I'd stolen money from the place. I was like, no, seriously, I won this. I was going to say, I've just moved uh, back to back to Walton, which is by Goodison Park, and it's kind of a, a rougher area. 
And it's kind of like, it's one of those areas where like there's pound shops everywhere and pawn shops and every cash machine charges you. It's one of those places where they're just trying to drag more and more money out of the poor. And the big thing I've noticed is every time I go to like the local corner shop, there's always someone in there buying a scratch card. And I was there yesterday and the woman in front of me in the queue bought 31 one pound scratch cards. Jesus. She was kind of, she was buying them. She looked sheepish. She kind of looked back at me in the queue and was like, oh, they're not all for me, but... Last week I bought twenty and I won five hundred quid. I was like, I'm, I'm not judging. Uh, you know, fair enough. That's a, that's a thing. I mean, you know. Last time I bought a scratch card, I bought it for my girlfriend. He said, "Can you buy me a scratch card?" Sure. And then the woman at the till asked me for ID for my girlfriend. It's like, okay, you're not asking me for ID, but you're asking for her ID. And I just said to her, "Am I a paedophile in your eyes or something?" <laughs> What's he saying? <laughs> Let's well, come back to that. Boy, did you think my girlfriend was fifteen? <laughs> yeah. Look, Joe, you've got an angel, you've got a very young face, so I don't think she was thinking that. I, 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 I don't look like I'm below eighteen, though, do I? Come oh, on. That's true. That's true. An eighteen-year-old couldn't grow that big. You haven't got a young face, though. Ah, cheers, mate. I'll take that. <laughs> With an old man's brain. It sounds like you're coming on to me. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Stop. Should we move on before it gets any creepier? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we got a shitload of like reviews to do today, but like news-wise, I'm going to keep it brief for, for that reason because mm. uh, we've all seen a million shows this weekend. But I think I'd be remiss not to not to mention it because it came out last week. The uh, JP, have you seen the Triple Mania card? Are you hyped? You guys are speaking of uh, the rough area I live in now. You guys attempted to uh, to come up for Triple Mania and watch that with us. That's going to be a, a fun time. And yeah, they've uh, they've started laying out the card. Oh, yes. Well up for that. Well up for live Triple Mania, admittedly. And I wonder if you'll be doing the same. I'll be kind of half watching Triple Mania and half watching Joe's reaction to Triple Mania. <laughs> Joe's That's... reaction to Kane Velasquez teaming with Psycho Clown and Cody Rhodes. Oh, wow. Like, that's, <laughs> like, on its own, just just, just that written out is yeah. enough. All right, I'm there. <laughs> Who are the against JP? It's like Taurus, El Texicano. Texano, yeah, Taurus, El Texicano. I'll just, I'll just get the card up. I um, thought you'd know it's off the top of your head being the AAA correspondent. <laughs> what, what am I not the correspondent <laughs> for at, at this stage? Here we go. Rev Pro. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> very, very true. Um, yeah, it's... Oh, where is it? For Christ, here we go. Uh... Psycho Clown, Cody Rhodes, Cain Velasquez, yeah, Tejano Jr., oh, Taurus, yeah. and TBA, ah. which apparently, you know who it might be? Jeff, Jeff Jarrett. Jarrett. Yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking. If, if, there was any, if there was any justice in this world, then absolutely it should be Jeff Jarrett. Oh. Like, if he turns up at this. Cain Velasquez versus Jeff Jarrett. I, oh, I'll die happy. And this is a bit underwhelming, right? Killer Cross. I, I don't really, I know the name, I don't know who he is. Uh, you need to get back on the impact train, don't you, for that? Oh, we'll be talking that later, don't worry. Yeah. We'll fill you in, Joe. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? Have you seen the other stuff on the cards as yeah. well? Well, the main thing is that they've got the Lucha Brothers teaming up with Laredo Kid against the Elite again, so doing a rematch of uh, what they did in AEW. Like, on the one hand, that sounds like a big match, but I'm actually quite looking forward to, like, the Triple Mania crowd just not giving a fuck about the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega again. Yeah. Like, I don't think they're going to have a clue who Kenny Omega is, just like they didn't have a clue the first time the Young Bucks came in. But I'm not there for the for the legitimate matches, JP. I'm there for, well, saying that, I'm there for Blue Demon against uh, Ray Wagner, uh, Bass versus Hair. Uh, I'm there for La Parker. And is that, the, is that the, is La Parker like 
teaming with as many sons on that show. I'm sure I saw a promo about that. that maybe that was something else. But he's definitely on the card. It's it's more about the shit the show. The Parker's the Parker's on there. I'm just looking to see if LA Park is on there. Oh right, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, so they've got La Parker on there. Pagano's in that match, and he is dog shit. Mm. He's absolutely fucking terrible. Ah, they got oh, the, oh, so it's the crap LA. It's the, the LA Park yeah. who stunk it up in Impact and MLW uh, last year. Not the real LA Park. That's a shame. Uh, but they always, it's, Maybe it's MLW he's bringing it up because he has his sons around there a lot. Well, originally, I think this was meant to be... Oh, this is typical AAA. Like, a year ahead, they say, yeah, it's going to be LA Park in a mask versus mask match. And that's apparently what's going to happen. And then they end up backing out. Mm. So, like, that's the most lucha type of deal with all of these things. So it's easy for Wagner, who it's amazing that he was under a mask for as long as he was, because he looks like the fucking Don these days. <laughs> you see him, what he looks like? No. Oh, he's, he's, if you can find a picture of him. Again, you haven't done your own work this week, have you? I haven't. I'm slacking on this. I'm gonna look <laughs> all the I wasn't expecting to talk about this, to be honest with you. Fair <laughs> uh, I was gonna say one other thing. You were uh, you're the correspondent for this week, JP. I know you watched the uh, the GCW Backyard Show. Uh, I, I I did I did <coughs> specifically say don't watch it, JP. I thought you were gonna hate every minute of it, but I don't know. Did you enjoy uh, GCW's Outlaw Mud Show? The, uh, I, the Backyard I watched Extravaganza. Them. I watched one match. That's what they that's, that's yeah. And that was on your recommendation. And that was the is it Alex Zane oh, versus, yeah. versus Tony Deppen match. Mm. And it was bloody great fun. I watched it with my son. Mm. And it was it was just sort of entirely ludicrous. What was that what was the six thirty? Oh, it was a six he did like a, a run in. This is uh like a, yeah, this show was it was literally backyard wrestling, but with Semi with lots of professional wrestlers on some that you might might class as a bit of a grey area, but like yeah, the idea is GCW uh, from the twisted mind of Joey Janela going back and doing doing a backyard show with uh, with actual wrestlers, and yeah, I'd never ever in my life heard of this Alex Zane, and it's all I could talk about for a couple of days because yeah, he did like a six thirty, it's like a sent on through a door, wasn't it? Uh, like a six thirty yep. kind of yeah, coming off the ropes. He did like a four fifty off. What looked like the I don't know what's like the side of a building, uh, and then got caught with a steel chair in the head. He took the most indie bump I think I've ever seen right on the top of his head on a chair. He was flying all over. Tony Deppen, who was one of the MVPs of Media Weekend, at least of the GCW shows, I think did their uh, like a a topic on Hilo, but into a Canadian destroyer. It was that kind of ridiculous match. Like I absolutely loved it. It genuinely, it's not gonna be a legitimate match of the year, but I might think of it when it comes to like the end of the year as far as memorable matches for the year goes. That was exactly what that show should have been. Yeah. It's exactly what it was. If you're buying a show called Backyard and it's from GCW, <laughs> you should really know at that point what you're getting yourself into. Oh, yeah. Into. And that match was really good fun. There was like a couple of like wild moments, the trampoline either side. Oh, the trampoline, yeah. It's very DDT-esque, isn't yeah. it? It's this kind of boutique show. And in some ways, having a Backyard show feels like the kind of ultimate tribute in mm. a way. It's like sort of it fits in perfectly with the with the aesthetic that they go for mm. um it was also funny at the end because they they were chanting their Deppen's wife was chanting please come back to <laughs> alex zane as well because oh. she was there in the crowd alex zane he was a tv presenter yes on balls of steel that movie from the sky, sky. Yeah. i met him <laughs> a 
the I met him at the Hall of Fame before WrestleMania 25. I think it's a different Alex Zane. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah, sure. This guy's got big he's bushy a Bri- hair. Yeah, British bloke. He's got kind of like he looks like remember Simon, him, yeah. Simon Amstel, I suppose. Yeah, he was just at the res- at WrestleMania 25. I met him at WrestleMania 25 and Dizzy Rascal at WrestleMania 26. Yeah, great couple of WrestleManias for the celebrity spots, that one. <laughs> Dizzy Rascal bought me and my mate a foot-long hot dog and a Mountain Dew, which is a different story back to GCW. Sorry. <laughs> why, 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 did, why? Uh, I would like to know. Like, what's the... just I want to know this. Uh, uh, we I want nothing more to add on GCW. Yeah, it's great fun. Watch it. We were in the queue for the... It was me and Cooper. We were in the hot queue oh, yeah. for the um, hot dog stand or whatever, and Dizzy Rascal was in front of us. He was like, all right, Diz. Uh, <laughs> He's like, well, yeah, what are you boys having? And then, yeah, got us our food in. Yeah, it was all right. Legend. Oh, top bloke. Prices in there as well. Good on the bloke. <laughs> yeah. So it ties in because that's one of the big cornet lines, isn't it? You work these backyard shows, all you get is a hot dog and a handshake. Joe, you got more than a hot dog and a handshake. So who's the, who's the real winner here? Exactly. And a picture. I'm not in the picture. I took it. <laughs> oh, that's a shame. <laughs> uh, <but> <laughs> Back to the backyard show. <laughs> Yeah. Now we're not going to spend much time. I don't know. I know you only watched that match, JP. But I honestly, it was one of the funnest experiences of our watching the show. It was way too long. Like the, the, they had an intermission in their backyard wrestling show, and that was the point where I was like, okay, come on, lads, take this home. Uh, and there was a match where the um, oh, the stunt brothers just legitimately tried to give each other a concussion for about twenty five minutes. Uh, and there were several matches in the second half, which were just like, I was almost hopeful you wouldn't watch them, JP, because it was just, it was a lot of like the, the death match stuff that the, the GCW are known for. But again, similar to Mania Weekend, as far as doing something that's different and stands out, they know what they're doing. They throw in, and Joey Janela seems to be the brains behind it. You know, he came out to Lincoln Park on the show because of course he did. Uh, he was on the show against Ruckus, of all people. Uh, oh. <laughs> Of the of blackout fame, I met another member of blackout. So we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Were you a Ruckus fan, Jay- Joe? Me? Uh, no, not at all. No, oh, good at flips though. I don't remember. Ah, I've seen better flips. He was rough. He was shindy. He was, he was basically the same here. He was just bigger. That's all. The only difference it was, but like, yeah, Joe Janela was doing like tribute spots to, to super superhuman off Twitter. Like that. If that doesn't tell you what what Joe Janela is, uh, I don't know what else is, but. Yeah, there was a great spot where I think Schlack was working against what looked to be a civilian. I don't know if you saw the GIF, JP, and the, the guy was trying to shoot fireworks at, at Schlack and had yes. the firework the wrong way around and shot them back at his own face, which sounds horrifying. Like, if you grew up in the 90s and you saw all those, uh, all those you know, public de- public safety videos we got about bonfires and uh, bonfire nights and all that stuff, that type of stuff might scare you, but it was very funny, to be honest, in the moment. Uh, and about the, the show was pretty much full of, uh, of big spots like that. What Linkin Park song did Janela come out to? Ooh, I think it was Crawling, but I'm not sure. Crawling in that one. I think so. That sounds very. I mean, if you're going to be a backyard wrestler, it's that or disturbed, isn't it? Like that. There your choices. Down with the sickness. Down with the sickness. Yeah, <laughs> throw that in too. Did you have a backyard wrestle? Did I? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it um, backyard wrestling. I wrestled on soft cushions in my parents' living room and in my mate's living room. Mm. We had, I've said before, I don't know, about the 24-7 Arkle yeah. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. There you go. That's like a form of backyard wrestling. Mate, we were wrestling in rooms at school when the teams were out of rooms. Like, that was 
schoolroom wrestling rather than backyard <laughs> wrestling. We did have a sand hair school for the long jump, which I remember doing some wrestling once as well, but didn't go very well. You need to go on the high jump mats like I did. Is yeah. that what you yeah. did in your day, JP? Was that your version I of did, wrestling? Yeah, New, New River Sports Stadium. I'm the same place where Daley Thompson told me to fuck off once. That's another <laughs> story. I'm not going into that now. Um, but we used to be able to wrestle there on those mats, and then occasionally got rid of them, and we took one home. We were jumping off my. I was jumping off the shed roof. <laughs> yeah, Mum gave me an awful bollocking. Really? Yeah, we had to get rid of it in the end. It was just too big and cumbersome. Some gigantic kind of like. What moves were you doing? Uh, predominantly splashes and stuff like that. I wasn't they were the high spots of the much. day, weren't they, JP? The 450. They, they were, you see. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're talking late 80s here. Okay. And it's not like I was, I was, you know, following CMLL at that time. Mm. You're not now. You're following AAA. Well, that's it. That's a show. Their Take owner off. died. Paco Alonso. Oh, sad. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did some, we did like, are we talking about this at Progress on Sunday? Like my mates were doing the proper backyard stuff with ladders and title belts and hardcore spots. Like I think the most hardcore thing I did was like jump off a bench in the back garden. Uh, I, I was Dark Warrior, naturally a dark gimmick. I you know, wore a bandana, came out to LL Cool J's Phenomenon. Uh, but it wasn't quite the, uh, the backyard wrestling you got here. It was we more me and me cousins messing around. We found a website that had these like, terrible mp3 rips of just about every wwe entrance theme mm. we downloaded my mate's computer so when we did our hardcore title stuff we used to like have his sister in their computer room mm. play the entrance fees as we walk into the living room that was quite good <laughs> see mine was just a, an old cassette that i put on the radio that that's that that, that dates me too jp so it's not just you yeah it, it, yeah i'm very dated on this this was like 2000 he had a he had a good computer. He had the best in it. First time I ever saw porn online was at his house back in the day. <laughs> Did he download it off Kazar? <laughs> or... um, uh, I remember we found a website that's a free 10 second clips. I swim on a floppy disk and take those <laughs> to play yeah. with the floppy disk. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> sort of a quite ironic about porn on a floppy disk, isn't it? Moving on though. <laughs> But yeah, the backyard show was fun, wasn't it, JP? Uh, at least for like, I know yeah. you saw a little bit of it. And my but... son recognised Tony Deppin from the match from uh, Janela Spring Break against what? No Legs. What did he make of it? What did the lads think? He he, th- the the younger one just walked off in protest. As you know, he wears a pro wrestling Noah T-shirt. So basically, if it's not classic all Japan or early two thousands Noah, he's he's not interested. He's buggered off. <laughs> but the other one, he, he, the elder one, sat around and he watched it. He thought it was just like completely silly, like very gifable stuff. Mm. And he enjoyed it for what it was. But I think he's, you know, he knows he, he was just sort of completely bemused because he'd seen clips of it. And he was like, oh, right, this is like a thing. And I was like, yeah, you'd be amazed the amount of wrestlers out there today who initially started doing this stuff. Mm. He watched, he had no desire to do it himself. I have a balcony that. You could do a cracking eye spot off here, couldn't you? Down to the yeah, it's good landed as well. You really it? could do. There's a big <laughs> tree as well out there. You could you could do some cracking eye spots around it. I'm not doing it. What would you do, do if them. your lads started doing backyarding together? Um, I would actively promote it, trying to live the dream through them. What would the what would you what would their mum say? She what she doesn't know won't hurt. <laughs> she don't need to know. 
CJP, you, you've yeah. got a couple of Just wrestlers in training this. you could have there. <laughs> so that would be when your indoctrination process is well and truly paid off, isn't, wouldn't it? This, is, this podcast is getting read out in court. I can just imagine the transcript now. Yeah. Floppy disks. JP yeah. sending his, his kids off the roof. It's coming. Sainsbury's attendance as well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, watch it, yeah. The, you uh, started all of this, Benno, with the train <laughs> ticket, with the with the bus ticket in Germany. So you, there you go, of course. I've debated whether or not. I'd like to think they listened to the podcast that week as well. <laughs> the German Federalers, yeah, they're after Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the backyard show. Yeah, well, don't watch it, but watch Depp and Zane. That was great. Uh, maybe watch it for for Joey Janela doing drunk commentary and making uh, Rob Feinstein jokes and doing Jim Cornette uh, impressions. <laughs> but other than that, yeah, it was just it was a night. It was a novel idea, and there was one very good match. Um, so a fun time all all in all. Joe, they've got a homicide show coming up next weekend. That might be more I up your alley. Saw, I saw the Julia Smokes is booked. J Train, Jimmy Sweet. Rave's booked. Prince Nana's booked. Every, oh, everybody except Dan, Dan Math from uh, from Homicide's past is booked. He's still uh, I thought they made things up. Uh, he still doesn't follow him on Instagram. You know, that's the, uh, that's the sounds like more of a Jersey All Pro show uh, uh, tribute show, if anything, doesn't it? <laughs> you know what it is? It's the you know we give Ring of Honor a lot of shit, but is that not the type of show Ring of Honor should be doing? Like, is the, if you're gonna do a tribute to Homicide, shouldn't Ring of Honor be the company doing that? But, They're a company who are suffering a great identity crisis. They're, I don't know. They, it feels like they're going through some sort of midlife crisis. If anything, they've reached that age, I suppose. And what a Ring of Honor at this point. But GCW, they're entering that, senility at this point rather than midlife yeah. crisis. Yeah, really are. GCW know they are at least though. Definitely. Mm. Who's Homicide faced on the show? Actually, not hundred percent sure. Um, Gotta be Loki. That would make sense if they could do that. Oh, well, they are doing an. Um, I think he's in the LAX versus LAX match. I'm pretty sure it's uh, him and Hernandez against the young LAX who are uh, uh, who are teasing the leaving, uh, going and signing with WWE or AEW. Hopefully, they end up in AEW. Um, but yeah, maybe, maybe at this point in his career, hiding homicide and attacks the best bet. Yeah, true. Yeah, be fun though. Looking forward to it. Um, but yeah, GCW always uh, keeping themselves uh, in the headlines. But yeah, as far as uh, other shows that we watched this week, I suppose we shouldn't waste any more time before we get into the the big show we all watched this week. Uh, the kickoff of New Japan's G1 Climax. I mean, we're gonna spend a lot of time this summer talking about the G1 Climax. It's gonna be. Mm. The summer of it, uh, we can't. We were talking, weren't we, guys? Like, I think, I think, I think, in the weeks coming up, the idea is going to be. Obviously, this was the one standalone show in the US, so it hasn't. It started, but it hasn't really started. Uh, but once it does get into the thicker things, uh, we'll probably do our. We'll be doing our normal show, but maybe splitting it in two, doing our normal stuff in the first half, and maybe have another a good hour or or more of a of full G one coverage, a bit like what we did last year on the indie corner. Lord knows how we're going to fit it all in, but. Yeah, thought it was a uh, as far as starts go. I thought it was a good start. Um, obviously, the one of the big stories is how the show looked. Uh, a solid attendance was it four or five thousand people, something like that. Didn't look like it in the venue, unfortunately. But a hot crowd and overall a a good show. It felt like a again didn't feel like the G one started yet, but it felt like a a good palate cleanser for uh, for what we've got coming up. Yeah, it was. It was a lot more fun than I thought, and the crowd were as good a crowd as they were ever going to get because they made a hell of a lot of noise. But there were a lot of things on the access side of the production. So we were, me yeah. and Joe were talking about it at the time that were were poor and during and during the ad breaks because mm. they would just have these 
please wait for start of match. Oh, yeah. And it would just be pissing around with the lighting, and then you go, oh, you kind of got it right. And it's like, oh, no, there we go again. Yeah, it was a solid show, but I thought the mm. direction wasn't good. And mm. I don't know who the crew were on this and whether they'd shot wrestler before, whether they'd done the previous Access shows, but... Oh man, should have had enough experience by now. Camera angles were really shoddy at points as well. Mm. And I'm not just talking about showing empty seats, I'm talking about the way the ring was actually framed and stuff as Mm. well. It was just a bit off. Mm. And it was off for certain spots as well. I'm not talking like they should be doing WWE full face the hard camp bollocks. It just felt like they weren't up to speed and maybe they'd never done sort of live wrestling before. And yeah, it was just a bit annoying but as a show i thought perfectly solid in terms of the actual content in terms of the actual matches mm, definitely it was it was like again i think it it was a good idea i think to go to the us i think i get mm-hmm. it in principle but i heard a lot of people talk about if they did it in the uk it might be better i think for me if they just did it in a small arena it'd be better i don't think we'd be talking about any of that stuff as it would felt a bit more legitimate g1 maybe if that was the case and it wasn't just so distracting all that stuff I'd definitely yeah. take one in the UK, though. This at the Copper Box mm. would have been really cool because you think about what the Copper Box has sold. More or less sold out crowd for the opening night of G1, the different country. Yeah, that would have been molten. I do wonder if what with the Olympics in Japan next year, whether they will take it on the road a little bit more. So whether we will get a few shows in the UK for G1 next year, which would be great if we do. Well, there's been some sort of conflicting reports on that about which buildings are available and what they're going to be using and, and and about whether or not they are going to be able to sort of rejig the fixture uh, around it. But, um, yeah, it was really, I t- in some ways, it, it was one of the things that just felt like the major drawback when you would see these empty seats. Mm. And it was... Oh, that shot of Shibata, where it, he literally there's no one behind him. Like, it, yeah. it looks like an empty arena match. Yeah. There it, was a shot of Tanahashi as well, where he went up for a oh, high yeah. flow. And they showed just they showed it from this angle where you just saw Tanahashi loads of empty seats, oh. and it was just kind of like ah, you're not helping yourself out here, guys. Like no. you've seen that angle on the preview in the gallery. Why are you cutting to it? It's not a good angle. I will say that I mean, go, going on to what sort of happened in the ring necessarily, it was interesting that the crowd were really into the undercard. So I found myself watching it partly because the, the the sort of novelty of of these types of shows is still very much there. And, and the novelty like, of the fact that you're paying attention to the undercard, which we won't be doing for the next five weeks. No, <laughs> no will not. It'll be it'll be dependent on it'll be on in the background while yeah. I'm doing other things, while pretending to work mainly. Yeah. <laughs> way, on the bus, myself, on the train, going for a oh drive. yeah, that's how I watch Slammiversary <laughs> on the way back from work. But I thought the like what they did with the undercard mm. was for this. They were they were pretty much into it. It was as good a Gorillas and as good a Gorillas of Destiny match that I've seen for quite some time. Much better than that terrible one against Evil and Sonada they had at was it um, at Dominion? Mm, I think so. And it was awful for that. Mm. But the one where I was so, in Greg's for the entire time. Yeah, that was Dominion. <laughs> and the Ishii Cobb exchanges got me really excited. Mm. To oh, see. they did a great job of setting that up. Yeah, yeah, they did. But they, yeah, as as an undercard, I was like kind of fine with it. Mm. And then when it got to the matches, oh. like on the whole, generally delivered. Because mm. I can remember, was it the opening day last year? Because they had the A block 
and it felt like a bit disappointing because I had Jay White winning against Tanahashi. Yeah. <laughs> Very well. <Yes. laughs> you would. I've not forgotten that one quickly enough. I don't <laughs> I'm haunted by that match. What would you take? Oh, that card of match you had as well. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, we were kind of spared of that way. I mean, I think I think I'd much prefer yeah. to have Will Ospreay and Lance Archer uh, oh. as far as big matches go. But yeah, I think that's probably the place to start as well, isn't it? Talking about the card itself, like that's the mm. that's the big match, isn't it? Like I. I mean, obviously, that I suppose there's bigger matches on the show, but as far as great matches on the show, uh, the highest match, I think it's the highest rated match on, on Grapple so far for the tournament. Um, I went 4.5 on it, maybe I'm... Uh, uh, looking at my ratings, I think maybe it was more a 4.25. Tanahashi Okada at the moment, oh, with a 4.3, that's like 308 so 4. ratings on that. Archer. That's interesting, because I'd probably go yeah. the other way, but taste aside, yeah, Osprey well, Archer was like, the hottest possible start you could hope for the tournament. Like I, I absolutely love. It. Like I, if there was anybody, I don't think there is anybody doubting putting Osprey in this tournament. So like, this is what we're in for. Oh yeah, this was all summer. Sorry, this was just yeah, absolutely just something else, and uh, just showed. I think it's the best Lance Archer has ever looked in what fifteen odd years of maybe JP mm-hmm. disagree as a big Hoytomania fan. Uh, but for me, the best he's ever looked. And his yeah. tag team with Kid Cash was pretty special. <laughs> the Jimmy the Rave one as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> Chris, he's the manager. Oh, but but <laughs> they were the classic. I've forgotten all about that. Uh, How but, have you forgotten TNA? And anyway, down to old Hoyt or Archer. Mm. I think Osprey was amazing, but credit where credit's due to uh, Archer as well. It was the most up for a match I've ever seen him look mm. like. He was bloody awesome throughout that match. Great look for this one as well. He looked like um, the master. Remember the master blasters? That's how Kevin Nash was in. He looked like one of the master blasters of that thing in his air, I thought. Um, But yeah, what a match. The sort of levels of energy as well Mm. that they sustained throughout the match. There was never any downtime. It always felt hot. Right from the start, wasn't it? It was like just straight away, Osprey hitting like the... Was it like the Yang time he did at one point? The, yeah. the old Jimmy Wang mm-hmm. Yang move, and then straight to that 450, straight to the forearm, and then straight to the chokeslam through a table. Like, yeah, they didn't give you a moment to breathe at the start. Yeah, a good order. Get this underway with a bang. Mm. And uh, honestly, some of the intensity as well. I've never seen Archer show such sustained intensity mm. during a match. Like, the dynamic between these two is oddly great. Like, yeah. never. You said to me, Will Ospreay and Lance Archer, mm. and I'd be like, oh, yeah, that would be a match. But he's surprisingly mobile big guy, so he, he, oh, it works yeah. well with Osprey. Mm. Even his like, old school spot where he was doing the rope yeah. walk, that was the best, most he's ever got out of that spot as well. Mm. Just some crazy stuff. The table spot as well, in mm. this, the way Osprey sold it, it was an awesome match. Mm. Yeah, that's it. It was one of those matches where, like, I think, I mean, I, I, we'll talk about the Pickhams in a bit. Like, I felt like you're with Archer organizing essentially this event. And Osprey, I know you guys are more confident than me on, you know, what Osprey's run's going to look like in this tournament. But for me, I did feel like he's going to come in and he's going to be losing these early matches to the bigger men. But all that went out the window once the match got going. And one, I was I was right there. It was one of those matches where I was literally pacing in my living room. Like, I, you know, for, for I think, what was the, the blackout move that he does that Osprey kicked out or the, the Os Cutter near falls that oh, yeah. he did. That top rope Spanish fly that Osprey did as well. Oh, off, yeah. Off the choke slam. Like, all of those big near falls, I bought every single one of them. Hook, line, and sinker. And completely and- went against my own thoughts on what the match, the way the match was going to go. 
Yeah, and everything looked great as mm. well. There were several points where I was like, it's got to be over, got to be over. The one thing I will say, the one negative on this match, the thing that takes it down a quarter of a star for me, oh. the, fu- the fucking claw. Ah, yeah, that hurts. <laughs> yes. It was we're the best way the... you could do it, but it wasn't great. Oh, we're not in the sportatorium, yeah. and it's not 1983. The people and... liked it. Ah, to be honest, I thought it, it I think it's fucking shit. A claw <laughs> choke slam, I could kind of go in with, just sort of lifting it up and using that necessarily. But look, Jim, you could easily kill someone doing that. As Jim well. Kerry killed the claw in 1997 <laughs> when Liar Liar came out. Remember the claw in Liar Liar? <laughs> yeah. yeah. When he does it to his son. Yeah. For me, that move was dead nice. at that point in time. And it looks fucking shit. Yeah. Like, I just cannot suspend my disbelief of that at all. And it didn't fit in this match. This match was full of great high spots, great intensity, great reversals, great back and forth. Some of the choke slam reversals. Oh, Osprey, yeah. I've never seen someone be so creative to get out of that stuff. Yeah, it was amazing. And you could tell, like, the thought that had gone into it as well, the way the match had been laid out, and then the claw. (laughs) And it was like, it was like Archer did like his, it's like his roll and rock move, isn't it, off the top? That was the finish. Like, for all intents and purposes, that was the like the underline of the match and it's over and it was just like yeah we have to do this extra claw bit uh yeah I, again i think it was the best way you could do it but yeah it was it was daft looking um yeah i don't know how do you feel on a jp I, I i wasn't as down on the kind of finish necessarily but i thought it was it was excellent and i suppose in some ways i i expected it to be and i really loved the new japan match there isn't anything else necessarily could say it's whether or not and you'd love to think so, but this Osprey run could be really special. It's got the potential to like anything that you think could possibly beat that best of the super juniors run. Mm. Like could be on for something like that. Oh. Although I would say the next match kind of brought it down a little bit for me. Yeah. Like we went from code reds on the it. ramp to Farley and evil exchanging yeah. steel chair shots. He's going to stretch. I'll be interested to see what he can do with Farley at this stage of Farley's <laughs> career. 1.75, JP. It's my front runner for worst match of the tournament so far. I, I, I feel like things are going to be easy. I went four and a 4.5. Did, what did you give uh, Osprey Archer, by the way? Uh, four and a quarter. There you go. Four and a quarter down to one and a half. Like for me, what did you go for, Four and a quarter as well. And I think I went <laughs> two on <laughs> bad Farley and evil. Damn. Too strong. Uh, yeah. No redeeming quarrels. Maybe it's the fact that, I mean, I used to like Bad Luck Farley, but as a meme, and at this point, the meme's not even funny anymore. And Evil, yeah. I just, I mean, I'm going to say about, I'll probably say the same about Sonata later because I'm not really a fan of him. Evil just doesn't interest me. And then when the two of them are just fucking around like they were here, like you've just got to, I almost feel like 1.75 was too strong. I'll be running through Farley's matches for a lot of the time during this one. Just sort of watching him ruin my pickums. He be normally defer- fucking does. I'll be deferring to JP for comment because he'll be watching it before <laughs> me, getting his view on it. Oh, we fucked my pickums. Yeah, you're JP. right. Like I Sorry? tried, I tried to do that clever thing again with my pickums, where I went diff, I did the post ones, and I did a completely different pitch for voices of wrestling, and in both, I didn't count on the fact that Bad Luck Farley was going to win, but I went with Evil on both, and he fucked me. Yeah. R- rock bottom of the voices of wrestling one. Rock. I'm literally last. And it's bad luck Farley's fault. I'm I'm down there as well, so I think I was like two out of the five on that night one. And I just as soon as he won this, I went, Oh fuck's sake, this is why I hate this story. We should have known, shouldn't we? Should have seen it coming. 
yeah, I was quietly optimistic. It's been a couple of times in the last couple where I've done all right and then fallen off a fucking cliff. Mm. Normally, as a result of Farley ruining things, and it looks like, yep, here we go again. Well, at least we won't get that Tama Tonga run of DQs this year. Oh, I, I think I'd they're going to be involved heavily in Japan. Mm. I could see him maybe not doing it for this one, but it's, I could see them being involved. Run-ins every night again. Yeah. No, I think Tama Tonga's got the tour off, hasn't he? Hope so. I think he has. Yeah, I'm yeah. praying for it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that that was a, a nothing. Well, match. the brothers worse. Tonga lower. <laughs> yeah, like if, when you have got less charisma than Tama Tonga, I think that's uh, that's when you've got to be worried. Um, yeah, but yeah, that was throwaway. Um, but again, we got back on track. I thought the last three matches were great. I thought, where did you? Well, maybe not. Maybe great is strong. But where did you? Where did you land on the other ones? Were you a fan of? Were you both a fan of? Uh, Zack Sabre and Sonata. Um, I saw a lot of praise for that. I went three and a half for that. I thought a lot of a lot of people enjoy these two having their long technical matches that they do. They had one in, like I said, on our last show in Manchester for RevPro last week, and it just wasn't really for me. And then I watched this one again, and I realised the reason it's not really for me is it's it's just purely Sonata. I just don't care about Sonata. I think I'm ever going to care about Sonata, and for some reason, New Japan wants me to care about Sonata. Mate, I'm in complete agreement. Um, yeah, I, I love Zach, but I just find Sonara so dull. I've not enjoyed any of their matches together, um, and it's purely a Sonata thing. Uh, there's just nothing about the guy that engages me. He's just missing an edge. There's just It just feels like he's passively going through the motions a lot of the time. Mm. He reminds me of... Um, how I felt about Dean Malenko when he wasn't facing luchadors. So Dean Malenko, <laughs> Rey Mysterio or Uvi, great. Dean Malenko, Eddie Guerrero, some of the most overrated matches I've ever seen in my life. Oof, just strong. Dull. <sighs> dull. Uh, not all of them, but a lot yeah. of ECW ones. I was just like, this is kind of boring. Should I be bored here? Um, and yeah, it just sort of reminds me of that sort of wrestler who everything looks nice, everything's executed well, mm. but there's not that bite and there's not that extra little something that stands out. Mm. Um, he doesn't have that sort of Benoit edge of aggression, which Malenko, in my opinion, was missing as well. Mm. And would we no have been spice on the way he executes anything? I just, I'm not looking forward to watching Sonada, and I think he's going to be getting a lot of points. I can see Sonada actually getting a bit of a push in this, mm. if anything, as well. Yeah, Steve um, Williams, I think, has got him winning the entire thing. He almost talked me into it. Like on my post ones, I was gen I genuinely had Sonada. Not quite winning, but like having almost the same like points as the as the A block win. I think I got me with Kota Ibushi in the end. But Jesus, like that's that's the possibility. Cause for some reason they just fucking love Sonada. Did, uh, do they love Sonada? Do the do, do, the fans in Japan love Sonada? That's what I'm about. That's to work the thing. Out. It's a different entity how we're viewing it from how fans in Japan, whether or not he would be someone to be considered to be a draw. Mm. I think the hesitancy I have in kind of, I suppose, even with him and Evil is New Japan's record of sort of career re re rehabilitations. I always think of Naito for that, going back to that and what he was and how bored I was and the sort of lack of expression on his face and inexplicably becoming for a while the most charismatic man in wrestling mm. and it's all it's di maybe difficult to see with sonada and evil because they do desperately need like just some kind of change they're just in stasis well evil certainly in stasis like you say though they like sonada yeah <clears throat> i don't know when there's a couple of places where he's just 
really big. I think even Asaka is one of those crowds that I think mm. really loves him. And for me, yeah. Sonada is the equivalent of a really dull holding midfield player who plays sideways passes, short sideways passes. He's like the Jorginho of New Japan, if you ask me. Apparently, he's great and technically he does a job. He does what he's required to do. But, he's but there's just nothing that stands out and nothing that gets me excited to watch him wrestle. And it's, this has been, what, this is like his fourth G1, I reckon? Yeah. Third or fourth? And I just I haven't really seen that much development. And also, when he comes to the UK, he half asses it, and that pisses me off and makes me like him less as well. What do you give it on Grapple? Three and a quarter, maybe. I think we're three and a half on this. Yeah. And predominantly because of Zach, mm. who Jack. was phenomenal. And his, also his G1 press conference comments were amazing. Yeah. <laughs> he managed to slag off the royal family during his G1 press yeah. conference. I'm absolutely fine with that. <laughs> what did he say, like, giving technical wrestling to Americans? was like, uh, was something like... Reading Shakespeare to a dog. That's it. <laughs> what a lie. <laughs> There you go. That got me at least interested. Yeah, his promos are so interesting. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's such good value. And even the idea of like strong style is dead, long live saberism. I'm yes. kind of ah oh, great. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. What did you both make of um, Kenta and Kota? Then that was another highly anticipated one. Uh, I say Kenta and Kota, the ghost of Kenta versus Kota. I went three point two five. I'm not feeling it. I'm hoping that one of you guys are feeling differently than me because I am. Out there, it does feel like there's a there's a real hard split on on what people thought of uh, Hideo Itami and here back as Kenta. For me, he did some of the hard hitting Kenta moves. He was aggressive, but for me, it was aggressively okay. Is the thing I the way I put it. I like. I just think, I think people really want something to be there with Kenta that isn't anymore. Mm. He, he still to me wrestles like he's dead behind the eyes he still to <coughs> me wrestles like he's a tribute act i'm not saying there were glimpses in this match to make me a little bit more understandable about why why people are hopeful but yeah they, they didn't grab me um and for me it was just yeah it was a it was an okay match but again i'm not i'm still not hugely hyped about uh seeing Kenta in this year's g1 yeah i'm completely with you um it was fine it was probably one of the kind of least good abushi matches i've seen this year or in the last year or so i would say um i wasn't that into it i wanted to be into it i want kenta to be good i want the guy he was 10 years ago he ain't that guy he to me is he's michael owen he's michael owen and this is his transfer to man united after mm. his years in the wilderness and he needs to get his winner in a 4-3 against man city and I hope it comes mm. at some point in this tournament. But he just reminds me of how broken Michael Owen was and how it was all so much so soon. And he just could never recapture that form. And this is what I think Kent is going to be. Like, we desperately want him to be good. We've got great memories of him. Mm. You know, there have been some wonderful Kent moments over the years. Mm. But when was the last one? And I just think at this point, I get why they brought him in for it. But I'm not excited, really. Where's well, the fry, we, I reckon, JP? What do you think? Uh, yeah, and that's probably where I, I, I kind of suspect that in my in deep down that you're both right about this. I think the way I feel is we'll know the answer in like three weeks' time. At that point, we will have a kind of definitive answer about whether or not he can keep up to the rigours 
of the new japan schedule at this at this stage of his career because mm. you know you can see the massive scar around his shoulder where he's had the sort of recurrent mm. shoulder injuries as well you know not necessarily into shape but i mean he was he had a crowd that was giving him a sort of lot of goodwill as well but to be honest with you, that's going to be we're going to be in for a sort of different set of reactions of how this goes over in Japan, which is really what I'm interested to see. Yeah, you know, how is he going to be when it's Kenta versus Farley? That's mm. yeah. But they've put him in the workers' block, so they he's have. got a lot of good guys to work with. Mm. And I'd love to think it's a confidence issue, and he's going to refine that confidence, oh. so he'll be great again. I think a bit more confidence will help him, but I don't think he's going to get to the level that mm. we want him to get to. Yes. And also, I thought they shouldn't have had him win this. I thought there was a better story they could tell with him trying to find himself again and trying to live up to the standard again. Mm. And I almost thought you could have him losing lots of matches and not in a sort of a, not in a Honda role, but in a, in a kind of role where he's like, oh, I've fallen behind. I, I haven't wrestled this style in a long time. I'm not used to the schedule. I thought there was a story you could tell there with this rather than having him go over a Bushi on night one. Mm. And I thought that throwing him in and having him go over one of the big hitters maybe wasn't the smartest move on the first night. They like upsets. Yeah. Maybe give him that one big thing. win, remind everyone yeah. who he is, at least in theory, and then he goes on the losing streak. Maybe he could do that. In a way, it always feels like these kind of upsets are there to set up King of Pro Wrestling. True. Which I think is October, and it always feels like that they need a couple of upsets because then that creates it. I always think of the Marafuji being the car, the, the start of the G1, was it three years ago? Mm. And then he ended up having that, that great match at, at King of Pro Wrestling. And I think, you know, that's something that they probably will go back to. Like I say, I think Joe's idea is actually a bit more interesting because you could set up a whole series of matches, but it kind of relies on how he is. It's, I want it to happen, but to be honest, I'm not going to hold my breath for that to be the case. I think I, I, I was slightly higher on this. What did you give it? Two. I give it three and a half as well as in, I enjoyed it. I was like kind of glued to watching it. Mm. Oh, okay. Yeah. It wasn't so, bad. Yeah, exactly. But it sounds like something, isn't it? If three and a half is a bad man. <laughs> no, it wasn't bad at all. No, exactly. Forgettable. Like, so placement on the card, yeah, yeah. what you're expecting from the match. It's the semi-main. What yeah. you want it, what you want the match to deliver. Think mm. of all the other four-star matches we're going to see in this tournament. Four-star matches. Oh, that's it. Like, we're not going to be talking about this, are we, at the end of the tournament? Um, unless it's in negative terms, really, on, on what happened with Kent's run. Uh, yeah, forgettable for me is kind of the word. Um <laughs> But yeah, you know, I guess we'll see. Uh, I'm willing to, to live the, the experiment out and see what they do. But bit of a coupon buster too. I think a lot of people have got Kota Ibushi winning the thing. I've got him on one of my pickums, and even I'm doubting that now. I think it's that old hopeful that we always we always fall for one like that. There's always a darling, isn't there? Uh, and then it yeah. really happens. And in, instead, you just end up with Okada Naito in the final, uh, which is usually the safe man's bet. But uh, maybe we'll see. Maybe... Uh, Maybe uh, last year could uh, give us some uh, some even more hope, but yeah, I thought that was okay. Um, Okada Tanahashi, I thought also was uh, was very good. You know, I went four on yes. that. I thought it was the perfect match to book for this crowd. You know, it's a match that's clearly, I think, burnt out is strong, but you know, it's been done in Japan. You know, the story's been told. The story's over, really, for all intents and purposes. Uh, but if you are gonna try. Uh, I know there were some, you know, the attendance was good, but, you know, there were some attendance issues. But if you're going to try and draw a crowd, I get it. Okada and Tanahashi is a is a big match to sell to a, to, to a, to a New Japan fan. 
Um, yeah, I thought it was the perfect match to book. I thought it was the right finish. You know, I say I did say there, yeah, but the, the story's over with them. But I suppose you've got that added element of okay, Okada really is back now. You know, no more draws. Uh, you know, he's he's not gonna go back to you know losing to Tanahashi again. He's he's full Okada and he's back. He gets the nice go home promo. He can talk reasonable English, so he's the perfect man to have at the the end of the night and send us all home happy. Um, solid. Four star match for me. Uh, I know people, like you said earlier, JP, have gone higher than me on Grapple, but um, not in the league of their other matches. But you know, fine enough. Yeah, I went four and a quarter on this one. Same here. Uh, I thought it was. Uh, there are other matches in the last year or so, mm. or year, couple of years, have had more of a. There's more of a story to the. This match. is greatest hits. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah. This was the greatest hits um, in front of an American audience. It was like the very good house show version of the greatest hits from Akada Tanahashi matches. That was exactly what it needed to be for this audience. It was, it was good. It was very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the crowd sort of lifted it up, and yeah. they, they were clearly absolutely buzzed about this being able to wrestle this match on American soil. Um, yeah, this is. I mean, considering again going back to last year, how I felt after the sort of Tanahashi J White match, <laughs> and feeling feeling miserable about that. This one, I mean, I actually thought it was going to be a draw. Mm. So I already realised after day one, my G1 pick-ems are fucked because I've got Tanahashi getting to the final. They always like the Tanahashi story of he loses the first couple and then goes on the sort of big run afterwards. Mm. Um, But it was, like you say, it was the kind of thing you want to make sure that these people go back to watch New Japan again if they run Dallas again, which I know it sounds like something they shouldn't do, but possibly because of Mark Cuban's involvement that's something that they will do again. Mm. Yeah, it, it it it's interesting because they obviously I think they'll definitely go back just you know, smaller venue, but they're they're coming back to the US as well, aren't they? They're doing those shows on the East Coast and Ring of Honor's uh, backyard as well. Uh, I think a big part of this that mm-hmm. this wasn't as big as it should have been. It's you know one thing that like a, a constant of this year is you know for anyone who ever said that the young bucks and uh, and Kenny Omega weren't draws look at Ring of Honor's attendances over the last few months and then mm-hmm. look at this with New Japan there's clearly a hit there isn't there in not being involved with those guys I don't know does uh yeah do, does the uh the news of them coming going over to America and doing a tour on their own on the east coast give you any hope that maybe that's coming or are we just seeing New Japan are they seeing the writing on the wall with Ring of Honor? Uh, maybe they don't even go with AEW and they just continue to try and do their own thing in the US. Um, although, again, I do worry uh, about doing that without, you know, a tie-in of their their big their former big US stars in the elite. The, there's a couple of options they could do. In terms of Ring of Honor, it's really noticeable. You're running Boston, Philadelphia, and, and New York. I mean, like the kind of original Ring of Honor markets, if anything. The fact, you know, it's probably not doing Jersey as well at the same time. But New Japan in Trenton. Oh, yeah, they did, didn't they? In 2011. Yeah, that was like the the first one that they did. Um, It's interesting that they're not using Ring of Honor. I think as well, this is one of the issues they have, is what talent are they going to use from Ring of Honor? Because it would appear, if you were like Jeff Cobb, for example, and mentioned earlier on about the exchange you had with Ishii, and I could see Jeff Cobb from a wrestling perspective having a really good tournament and getting himself over, because the crowd are very much predisposed to liking him in Japan so far. Um, Just wait for his contract to end with Ring of Honor and try and see if you can just do New Japan and Indies. And it just makes me think, like... They're not. They're going to be looking at these attendances for shows. 
they're going to be looking at the experiences that new japan guys have working ring of honor and how less it feels so you'd hope they take a lesson from it but at the same time who else re- they would want an american partner and bring up our old, old friend impact wrestling because obviously they're going to access tv as well that ain't happening moose versus ain't okada happen- i wouldn't say they that. are still so bitter about what jeff happened. yeah J- uh, jeff jarrett yeah yeah that's that's yeah. not happening that won't happen I'm hopeful one day. Uh, As is JP's. Look at him with like <laughs> disappointment. That I don't agree with yeah, they had the chance, JP, and they blew it. Uh, but, yeah. But all in all, I thought a, a solid day one. I'm, I'm not feeling. I don't know. Are you guys feeling the G1 season buzz yet? I'm not. Maybe it's the fact that. Next you know, week, next yeah, week, next week's when we're going to be pulling our hair out as we start as the matches start to pile up and we try. And it's three days in a row, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, yeah. There's one on the eighth, fourteenth, fifteenth. Monday morning's the last one. Yeah, we'll probably be recording Monday night. That's going to get fun uh, as it gets deeper. Um, I don't know any any thoughts on the tournament going forward. Any choices on winners? Any choices on? I don't know, Joe. Or maybe more more to the point. You know, who you're skipping this year? Uh, there's no Maccabay. You're going to be skipping yeah. Jay White this year. Uh, what are you thinking? Um, Farley, I'll get a few skips. Evil, I'll get a few skips. The only problem is the block is good. Mm. So they might be having good... Well, Evil, there's a chance of good matches. I'm tempted to skip some Sonata, not going to lie. Um, but these are matches, like I said, JP will be up watching these live. So I'll be messaging JP, getting a second opinion on what I can skip. Yeah. What are you um, doing while you're watching them, JP? Making the breakfast or...? What's the plan? Yeah, it's classic housework time. That's what that's what New Japan is for me. <laughs> Early in the morning. That although I have to say this year the theme for G one is piss poor. It was piss poor last year. I, I don't believe you on that. I like. Oh, it was good. I think we made it good, JP. I think by repeating it on the we podcast did. over and over again, it burned into oh, my head. Up a beer, With the, <laughs> it's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> <laughs> JP, can we bring it back for this year, even though it's not the real theme? I feel like we should. Yeah, I'm all right with that because that is the real G1 thing. Is it man with a men with a mission? Joker's a rendition now. Men with a mission. Yeah, yeah. Martin saw them at download. Martin Bushby and said they were great. Oh, were they? Yeah, he's big. No Mabel and Mo though. I'm not getting it. I prefer men on a mission or men at work. But yeah, I think we'll be feeling it more next week, and yeah, we'll be by week two or three, um, we'll we'll all be wanting to tap out anyway. So maybe we should be uh, careful what we wish for. But I was going to say we can do it, JP. Very quickly, who have you got in your final? On the two, I've got my main one. I do. I I always think I think Gado can be predictable at times, and I think sometimes the most boring choice is is kind of the one to go for. I still think they're telling this long term story with Okada. Um, and I think the the payoff to him losing so many matches last year and, and being such a bum last year is he comes through this as... Do- they kept mentioning on commentary on day one, nobody's ever gone through the G1. And, uh, well, people... Nobody, sorry, in recent memory has gone through and been champion and, and won the G1. I think Okada's going to be the man to do that. I think that's kind of where, where we're going. I think that's the story. I think he beats Naito in the final. I think that'll upset the Naito loyalists. Um, but if you ask me, yeah, that's yeah. my genuine view. On my on my voices one, just to kind of play both sides. I've got Kota Ibushi winning. But yeah, if you ask me hand on heart, I'm thinking Okada Naito final. The Okada, if Okada wins, it's just kind of boring. Really, mm. isn't it? I don't know what you do for it's... a challenger. I know you create you create a problem, but you know. 
Osprey can beat him on the way. That can set up a big match in the UK. Other people can beat him. Uh, there's other ways you can get there. Yeah, I mean, I I would say that it worked when they did it with Kenta Miyahara in all Japan for the Champion Carnival, and it and I said at the time it had that look about well we're trying to create our proper race. So <laughs> so if you you company, could though. I was going to say you could set of circumstances. You, well, there is, but you could you could say if you're gonna you were gonna do this type of push with a carder, it would have been the type of thing in like 2013 mm. that like you know as champion winning it and going straight through. Um, I've got. Tanahashi Naito in the final with Naito winning. I've just got boring because I'm trying to think of what two matches can they put on to get as many to, as many seats. What I wanted to have happen and what is apparently according to sort of a lot of the especially the Kota Ibushi interview was thinking one night you were going to have champion versus champion, Okada versus Naito, and the other one was Kenny versus Kota at the Dome. Mm. More as a case that Omega comes in and basically does one shot. It's not like a round for lots of storylines. But maybe he would he would do that for Ibushi. Yeah. But it, it's by, by all means, to try and make it sound less likely, you'd love to think, oh, I hope I'm being worked on this one, but mm. possibly not. I, I really don't want another Night of Ibushi match as the final. I'm done on Night of Ibushi matches. Yeah, I could believe that. Yeah. Yeah. My my uh how can I put it? My optimistic hope is Osprey Naito as the yeah. final. I think I'm dreaming, but ah come on mate. <laughs> Naito Sonada, you could see them oh, kind of doing yeah. as well. I thought that, yeah. Mm. I think Naito's a shoe in for that uh that B block. Because uh, who else is who else is there who can compete? Jay, Jay White. White. That's it. I, I think they know Jay White isn't yeah. at the level that yeah. he can wrestle a G1 final though and get that that kind of a claim match at this mm. point in time. So I think they'll play it safe on that one. Um, maybe next year he might be ready for it. Mm. We never yeah. know. Yeah. Then, well, then again, he might just blow us away this year, Joe. He might make a believer of he you. Won't. He won't. <laughs> He's got better. He's got better. Keep the beard. Keep the jacket. Um, it's, it's getting better. But at the same time, slow progress. There you go. All we got to hope for, Joe, is we don't get a Sonata J. White final. Uh, if we get anything other than that, I'll be happy. And if we do get it, I'm blaming Suit Williams. So I guess we'll see. Um, that is fine. I, I know we had Sonata. I don't know, actually. I think maybe we had Naito on the other side. Because that makes sense, the LIJ match. Just just not mm. Sonata, please. Let, let's just hope that, that conspiracy theory dies a death. Sonata J. White's got suits a glutton for punishment if he wants that to happen. I was also thinking with this because about nearly a thousand people or so involved, Mm. and this is probably breaking several laws. Imagine you had to do tenner in, winner takes all. So you got like sort of eight grand on the line. Of course, a shifty geezer like (laughs) the G1. Oh, honestly, you'd be watching it. Yeah, you'd be watching it going like berserk in the final. Grapple Pickham's next year. Should we get Gareth on it? Yeah, but there has to be, you know, and I don't gamble. But I think you put that, you add that element in there of like 10, make it 20 quid, 16 grand. No, like, oh, well, if you get to the, if you're second, you get some money. No, winner takes all one person. It sounds like your idea of that pound and a pint glass for strippers or something you had as well. (laughs) That wasn't like my idea. You told me about that. That I want to hear about this. Oh, it's it's a it's a long story. I ended up, I, yeah, I'm not going to go into it now. Bastard for bringing it out. It sounds terrible, <laughs> but it wasn't my idea. JP and strippers. No. <laughs> uh, would you like to move us on, JP? Yeah. <laughs> should, we, should we talk about Brighton instead? 
Yes. Were there any strippers uh, in Brighton? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, there might be. We didn't see it. We didn't see anything like that. Uh, you um, went down to Ripside, though, didn't you? You went down we to Ripside. We did. I suppose you saw me strip off in the hostel. So oh. there was that. That that hostel, I mean, we'll go on to it in a bit. Like, it felt like. Have you seen that film? Was it A Prayer Before Dawn? The one was that film hostel. Yeah, a long time ago. No, not a prayer for dying. The one of oh. the young lad who ends up in a Thai prison oh, from the Liverpool. One. Yeah, no, I'm not, you tell me to watch it. But yeah. I've never around to watch it. It kind of sleeping. It's it. You know, it's pretty grim a Thai prison, and it made me think of this is the place where we were staying. There was four of us in a room. It was like a sweat box with just a fan <laughs> on the ceiling. No curtains. No curtains. Yeah, yeah, it was. It Where's was bleak. It was basically like a prison in the local area was getting rid of a load of its old gear. They were getting rid of some old bunk beds, some old mattresses. And this guy who ran this pub was like, yeah, I've got a couple of rooms. Got a mate who works at a prison selling the shit off cheap or HMP or whatever. Got a couple of beds, a few quid for him and a couple of rooms above his pub. It, it was the closest I've ever like felt <laughs> to sleeping night in the cell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Amazing. It did feel. However, oh, it was a sweat box. They did some like cracking house. food. The jambalaya was well good. Yeah, and I had a jerk chicken and rice, and it was awesome. And it really set us up nicely for going across the Riptide. We have to say as well, full disclosure, we were in, we were invited down very kindly by um, Josh and Tom. Mm. Thank, thank, you know, I want to thank them for you know letting us come down and being able to have a have a chat with them as well about about things about the show. Um, but overall. Uh, had a cracking night. It was a belter of a show. It was. It well. was great. It really was. And in this one, what was really interesting is there was like kind of a couple of things that went against them. Um, and I suppose one of the more well, there was a few sort of really noteworthy things that happened. But we had quite early on Jack Sexsmith announced his retirement on the show, which was which was unannounced and apparently you know it seems legit that he's doing. I think he's doing some commentary for TNT in Liverpool. He is, yeah. That's, a, that's an odd one. I don't know what the fit is there, but nice for him. Nice that he's getting... Nice for him. You know, if he gets to keep his hand in, I, I don't know if he trains at the Hustle um, training school in Edmonton, possibly. Um, but yeah, there was that. And obviously, Jack Sexsmith's been set up as like the big, you know, they've been building up the, sort of his big run, going for the title, winning the Riptide Rumble, and then putting the shot on against Spike Trevay. So to have that and then to go, right, how do they book around it? Mm. And they managed to find a way to do that and also have a show with a broken ring because that was something that happened. Was it happened in the, early. Happened earlier. Really I want to say it was like the second match. Possibly. Yeah. And where we were, they managed, you know, looking down, you could see them trying to fix it and it were just people staying. They had staying away from the corner and generally everyone did a really good job of doing that. But it was, you know, having to deal with the ring breaking. Obviously, you've got, like, one of your top stars in the promotion who's announced their retirement. And they managed to get through it. Yeah, and, the, the momentum of the crowd the whole night. Yes. Like, the crowd were down and really sad about sex. With obviously, people crying in the crowd. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, people willed this show to be good. Mm. And yeah. it's have a great time afterwards. Uh, the sex with stuff was, you know, ended on a somber note, but at the same time, it didn't affect uh, the show in mm. any way at all. And it, this was a, 
really, really fun show. What I love about Riptide is the setup. Yeah. It feels like you're at a football match in, in to some extent. It feels mm-hmm. like you're in like a it's like they've got like this sort of little terrace. Yeah, it's like little terraces on like a three rows back. Yeah, but everyone gets a good view. Yeah, it reminds me of going to like non-league or like when I used to get a Bournemouth game mm. and they were in Division Two back in the day and stuff, and I used to stand on the terraces and it was like rest watching wrestling on the terraces. It was mm. really fun yeah. atmosphere, really fun way to watch it. Good view of everything as a result of the way that they use the terraces. Really well lit venue. I know that's kind of a odd thing to say. We don't really mm. have to talk about lighting in venues. It's basically we? a church hall, but well, it's it like. Works. It looks so good on VOD if you went there in person and it looked like shit. That'd be notable, wouldn't it? Like, it's cool that at least it sounds yeah. like the that experience does translate, even if maybe it's not quite as cinematic. And I think there was something about that it was like it was a really hot day and it was like a sweat box in there. But in some ways, it was kind of like added to the whole intensity oh, of yeah, the definitely. feel. Definitely. That, you know, when it's like, when it's like okay, there's there's stuff going on and everyone was was into it. And um, what I found notable is obviously the VOD. I've had a brief look at the start of the, they put the uh, main event with mm, Karen. I'm forward to Pat. watching that, yeah. Yeah, on YouTube. Look at that, but then I also saw a clip from Eve, who ran there the week before, and it was like complete opposite in terms of production. Mm. Like, just I've only ever I've only seen a brief clip. I can't comment on it for the whole of the show, but looking at it in terms of the lighting, everyone was just sort of stood around the ring. Whereas you know they they had this kind of terracing set up. They had seats behind the the ring as well, so it was all well set up with the light you know having the good lighting yeah. as well at the same time little touches as well with the presentation the commentary yeah yeah but when you go in as well um they've got mm. merch at the front and little bits of their merch like they they don't just sell t-shirts and your usual merch they had like denim jackets mm. like with riptide rested on they had um the anti-fun police like fbi style raincoats there and stuff as well they thought about clothing that's like fashionable and appealing to that audience mm. and they've invested in that as well yeah like, those they, vests rather than t-shirts yeah, as well yeah. they kind of feel like they're kind of really in touch with the style of fan base that they attract it feels like they are, for me, the kind of cool promotion mm. in terms of the aesthetic, in terms of the rest of their booking, and in terms of the style of the mm. show as well, and just the overall presentation. Little things as well. Like I had uh, the beer was beer was fucking great there. The pale ale they had on tap was. I mm. should bring back Joe's beer corner because <laughs> I was. We're all hoping. Good few points of we that. We didn't get to go to the but brewery that was in there on their ne- VOD next, time, next, next time. time. But they also had another uh, beer as well, which was like this Riptide beer. Um, I should send you the picture, Benno, afterwards. It was like a Chris Brooks octopus oh, beer. Oh, I've seen that before, yeah, it yeah. Was really cool little can. Like little things like that just add to the kind of feeling of the show, the mm. identity of the company, the identity of the show. And those things, I think, are so important in 2019 to kind of getting people to invest in your promotion and feel like they're kind of part of something. And this felt to me like kind of peak progress when we were going. It's the closest mm. I've felt to that. Mm. For me, this is a better version of Fight Club Pro. Fight Club Pro yeah. is a promotion with good wrestling in a big room, but the room is so big, the ceiling's so high, psychologically everyone just ends up chatting. Whereas this, the room is so compact, it's so intimate, and the space is so intense that it forces you to watch it's a better Fight Club Pro, if you ask me. I would say on the wrestling side, 
what they manage. It's more focused. I was surprised wrestling isn't focused. Oh yeah, yeah. I would say there's a focus, a very clear sort of storytelling arc that that goes throughout the shows and and the things that are going on. The wrestling is like people being booked to work in a way which is to the best of their abilities. Absolutely. It's, it, it's you will see sort of bigger and bigger stars wrestling in other promotions but here you've kind of got the package of a crowd investment in everything that was on on the show um i'm trying to think of what, what was the opening match uh the opening match was mike bird and lion kid yeah which was a, a perfectly fun opener mike bird is one of these underrated guys who who works around on the British scenes, obviously done a lot of work in terms of training people at Dragon Pro. I tend to always enjoy watching him work. Yeah, he's completely honest. solid. Yeah, he's really solid. like sort of solid guy to have on there. And it was, you know, simple heel face dynamic. Then he had the Sexsmith promo. Then after that, there was the uh, Mambo versus Jordan Breaks. And I have to say about Chuck Mambo, he's so much more sort of comfortable in his own skin as a wrestler. Did you find this like, out when you were buying him a pint at the bar, or was it during the match? I didn't. I didn't buy. Him. I didn't. Buy <laughs> I've seen the photos, JP. I, I've, I've got. I've, I've still got. To, we haven't got to that stage. Yet. <laughs> Maybe you, in the you got pat, mate. Did I? Yes, yeah. I did get pat. Yeah. I was kind of expecting it as well. But I really enjoy the match against Jordan Brakes, who's really good young wrestler as well. I think you saw him on the was it on the Riptide Rumble show where he was it pinned Spike Trevay. Do you remember that, Benno? Yeah, well, yeah, that was like the one of the more like notable ones. Uh, I think. Yeah, he's like only about twenty years old, and him and Mambo had like a sort of a, a really good, solid match, which is there to sort of establish uh, Mambo as wrestling people of different styles. After the the match, I think he's had with TK Cooper recently as well. You know, really sort of solid undercard. Then there was the issues with the rings. So they had to have a couple of breaks in between, and they had a. It's always a killer. So like the momentum of a show that isn't it when that happened. I've been so many Northwest Indie shows Mate, that yeah, happened. That's cool. It didn't. It didn't kill it. They had a quick break. Um, TK Cooper, Carl Fletcher, which would have been the first half main. Yeah, they had the four-way that, tag. They had the four-way tag. Wild four-way tag, which was awesome. Oh, the teams for this. Ah, uh, Curtis Chapman as a heel. Honestly, that's so good. I wish that Ref Pro would go with Curtis Chapman as a keyboard warrior. Such a good gimmick. Mm. Him and Gideon Gray were a hilarious team. Yep. Paul Robinson and Shakara, which was random, but it was fine. Ginny, this is the best I've ever seen Ginny. Mm. Like, you know, I'm not, I was with a with a mate of ours who, he lo- he's a wrestling fan, but he's kind of a laps wrestling fan, and he really wanted to come to a show. And he was really into this match. And I was saying to him before, I'm not a big Ginny fan, giving him my reasons why. During the match, I was saying to him, nah, since I last saw her live, there's a real improvement there mm. in terms of her timings, like the pacing and mm. times. Her strikes look better in this as well. Yeah, it was a really good match all round, that one, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, it was really good fun and they managed to work around the fact that there was a corner of the ring that they yeah. couldn't use. It's a good mix of comedy and good yeah. sort of intense action. They mix both really Rob, well. Robbo and Brian, because I, I think I saw the comment that someone said, if Millwall was a wrestler, <laughs> it, it would be Paul Robinson. He's an Arsenal fan. I know, yeah. He's all right. I'm talking I think he's an EDL fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, the Kyle Fletcher, TK Cooper match as well, um, there was one big botch where TK Cooper didn't hit. Um, I think he went for a. I think he tried to go for a, was it like a, a springboard. Yeah, split-legged moonsault. Yeah, split like moon but TK Cooper looked the most confident I've seen him, and most comfortable I've seen him in a couple of years in this match as well. Mm. Like it was good seeing him at that sort of level again as well, live because 
we all know what you can do and we all want it to be back there, but it's not not been present. But that was a really fun match as well as kind of the first half main. And then what did we come out of the second half? There was the, there was the Rob Lias, Millie McKenzie candy floss, which was, again, you know, uh, I like the storyline as well of Rob Lias being this sleazeball, and yeah. that that was quite good. It well, when he's setting up Candy Floss, Millie McKenzie, and then I think you had the it was was it the main then at that point? Yeah, I think it yeah. was the main. And here now, I have to say, I haven't seen Car Noir too many times. Um, he's someone who's got a sort of the unique Black Swan gimmick, which mm. is which is different to everything else out there. So you think, well, okay, it's really distinctive. It's a cracking entrance. It's a, it is a really great entrance. And here, it was like, okay, he's coming up. He's got a mystery opponent. Who's he going to be? And we said it when, you know, when Joe was at uh, the cockpit and they, this is the way you book pack. Mm. And he got a superstar reaction. Absolutely. Did the, did, was I wrong reaction. or did the advertisement at one point then took him off? Then he came back on as a surprise. I'm sure I read that somewhere. Oh, I didn't that see true? that. I didn't see that. Hmm. If, that if that is the case, it might well still though. Like, if it's on purpose, it's the right way to do it, isn't it? Like, yeah. Immediately, he's he's a big baby face, like just coming out, like or immediately people, maybe not so much that people are just happy to see him uh, at that point, they rather were. than rather than dreading the outcome of the match. But he got the crowd to turn against him, and it was very similar to the kind of Michael Oku match that he'd had in some ways, not necessarily like structurally because there wasn't a a time limit, but there was a lot of Car and Noir, him not wanting to give Car and Noir any respect. It was him wrestling from underneath and yeah. like really fun, like really kind of uh, quite intense, mm-hmm. like sort of charismatic comeback. So Car and Noir was really over because he was wrestling from underneath. Mm. Pack was really effective as a heel here as well. He wasn't mm. getting cheered at all. Um, the guy we were with as well, was, like I said, it was his first show. He went mad because he obviously knew knew Pack was. He'd seen him as Neville. He'd seen him on the Indies before, and he said like there was. He just looked a level above everyone else. No disrespect to anyone else, but mm. you could just see that this guy is like different level mm. when it comes to his presence, his execution, the way he can control a crowd, can keep investing the match. So, yeah, I'm really hoping this is Pack really finding his feet after mm. kind of months of dragging his heels. If anything, do you know what's coming up soon? No. His match with Ben K. Oh, come on, Ben K. <laughs> yeah. The, su- the superstar we need. Yeah. At this point. Give him the belt, give me it tomorrow. That's what <laughs> I would do. Yeah. But book, book it in the street. Okay. But outside your house. Off the balcony, mate. I'll watch it off the balcony. If Ben K Dragon Gate wanna have a match. They've had match, they've had a show in Oxford before. Whether or not they want to come specifically <laughs> to my house to run a show, that's they could do it. Oh, oh that's what I want. JP's backyard wrestling. Yeah, again, like I've said before, this is high spot central for backyarders where I am. <laughs> I'm just looking forward to seeing you as a booker. All your wildest dreams coming true. Eh? It would go Russo very quickly, wouldn't it? Yeah. If Glenn Joseph gets involved. <laughs> um, but Riptide as a whole, I would say, if if you get a chance, Beto, and to anyone who's listening who's not yeah. been... It's Brighton's a jaunt. Um, I live 80 miles from Brighton. It took me <laughs> we left at two o'clock. We got to Brighton at like quarter past five. Mm. Like Brighton is tough to get to. It's not the easiest place. It's worth the journey. I'm really glad yeah. we went down again. It's hard. Like the times they start the show, they start at ten to seven. Mm. So finishing work and getting there on a Friday, it's going to be like nine impossible. 
if I'm off work, we manage, we were off work on Friday. If I'm off work again at any point, and I can yeah. get down there and the shows meet my sort of work schedule. I'll definitely be going down again because I love this atmosphere. I love the the environment they fostered there. Uh, there's that bit of community spirit that mm. hasn't been present in a lot of British promotions that I've been going to in a while, Ooh. and it was really refreshing. It was exactly it's catered to us, and it's exactly what we wanted from the night, wasn't it? Yeah, I would say. And the other thing as well is they're happy about running Brighton, and that's a good thing. Not ideas that are kind of going out of control about trying to run multitudes of places that we've seen lots of promotions try and do before. They're happy with Brighton. And that is, and, and there is room for expansion within Brighton itself. Mm. So it makes complete sense to, to do that. And it is a very Brighton centric show. And I love Brighton as a place. Yeah, Brighton's so a really cool place. It's a really cool place. Like, what? it's the kind of place if you get a chance to go down there, you'll want to have a couple of days around there if you can. Mm. One of the other things I really like as well is they've kind of, in the same way Progress did it, they've taken it from a slightly different angle. They've sort of taken music culture, I think, and merchandising and sort of alternative music and stuff as well and used that to their advantage as part of the identity. Um, and I think it shows that they've got a couple of people running the show who are really in touch with um, not just wrestling but also music currently as well. And I think being able to merchandise your product mm. to a fan base that are interested in that sort of culture, they're, they're, they're doing a great job. Little thing, little touches, like when we left, we got a, um, not a flyer, we got a sticker for the... Um, Pride shows of Brighton doing, tournament. Yeah, the Pride of Brighton tournament, the open air tournament next month on the bank holiday weekend. And, you know, a flyer is so disposable. You get a flyer, it's like, know, whatever. A sticker, I was like, oh, I'll stick this on this. Like, that lives on. There's a memory that's created there. You stick it in the right place that gets more attention that's a reminder or something do you know what i mean like yeah. little techniques like that i think show how kind of ahead of the game they are um with their approach and at the same time you've got to remember this is a local promotion this isn't a promotion that's necessarily running around the country they're not running in london like they're a great approach on their part and all power to them awesome yeah that's a, everything about them the presentation the ethos behind the company it, you're right. It, it it appeals to well a person like me. Uh, it it's just that it's mate. A, you'd love it. Yeah. You get you going to the cockpit as well. You'd have an absolute cracking weekend. There you go. Maybe I can uh, stop off in Oxford on the way and do it. Um, oh. Nice sunny day. Yeah, I'm definitely definitely. You and would JP like can do some time. backyarding on the Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There you go. That's the weekend we can book JP's uh, backyard wrestling. You can you can relive the uh, was it Benson Richards days the glory. Oh, let's not talk about that. We were talking about claw holes before, mate. I once took a claw. Oh, would breaker. you do it in your Ring of Honor tracksuit? <laughs> is it? That's 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 your back got that photo with the. Were you wearing a bandana? I was, it? mate. I was. In the Ring of Honor tracksuit, or is it? A t or is it a? Turn I think I'm gonna be in cap. that one, but I definitely look. I was a hip hop fan. I thought, I thought I was a Wu-Tang Clan fan. I thought I looked cool. Special K fan by the looks of that. <laughs> <laughs> that was the look that I was going for. But yeah, In more ways than right. one, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, def definitely have to join you for one of those weekends. But yeah, there's, fuck, what a week. We've still got three shows to talk about. Joe, yeah. you went to uh, Mate, to last thing I want to add. Oh, we might just add one last thing about Riptide. We were in a bar afterwards and we were chatting to Curtis Chapman. He lives in Southampton, lives in St. Mary's, God knows why, roughest part of the city. He doesn't know who Matt Letizia is. I mm. said to him, you look like a young Matt Letizia. He was like, oh who's God. that? 
criminal. You would tell it we were, we were there with... When would you have been um, born, though? Would it be, like, 96? Say it again. When would he be born? Mate, he's still on TV all the time. He's 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 known. He's, he's not niche. He's not like... I don't know. It's not like Craig Hignett or someone. <laughs> like, yeah. he's Matt LaFucking-Tizier. He lives in Southampton. He lives in the God's town. He lives in God's country. <laughs> St. Mary's, there's a pub called the Letizia's Feet around the corner from where he must live. <laughs> I was I was outraged at old Curtis there and that revelation. And he hasn't watched SummerSlam 92, so Curtis, wow. sort it out, pal. No, no, yeah, just also say we had, a, we had a good night out with um, Dave Green and Joe Atherton as well, with a good few points. And I'll say Joe Atherton's wheelchair is fucking heavy. <laughs> Proper just from heavy. experience or...? I was helping him, I was, I was helping him try and lift up. Jesus, that's a young man's game. That's like, that's brutal. Uh, yep, sounds like a good time. Eh? Yeah, no, no, definitely. Yeah. After joining you, and yeah, I, I still don't believe you, JP. I definitely think you bought Chuck Mambo a pint uh, in that pub afterwards. But, uh, you know. It'll come and it'll be a big moment when it happens. <laughs> that's it. I'm going to make you two wait. The money's in the chase. As that, we all that's know. the moment of his validation when Chuck Mambo becomes your new riddle. Oh, fucking hell. Get to buy him a Cornish ale. <laughs> <laughs> We know how much you love Cornwall. <laughs> I'm not going down that road again. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, as I was saying, it's a uh, fuck me big week of shows. Still three to go. Uh, Joe, yeah. that weekend you also went to Rev Pro. You went to the cockpit. Yes, I did. Yeah, uh, really good show as well. Really good weekend of wrestling. A uh, few highlights to point out. Uh, Dan Maloney made his debut at the cockpit, team with MK McKinnon. Interesting against, that he's uh, on, on the cockpit and not in progress. I thought that was a weird kind of... Uh, oh, mate, I hope he continues because what I've seen of him in progress, he was way more over here hmm. in five seconds. He wow. was awesome. Uh, his confidence was through the roof. He had real presence about him. There's some charisma there as well. He was doing like a kind of Scott Steiner thing at points of it, which I was, I'm always going to be into if you want to do sort of Scott Steiner circa 1998. And he was playing off his size. He was at Curtis Chapman chopping him all over the place and just no sold everything and just sort of did like a sort of hard man pose, right? It didn't flinch. He got over in an absolute instant. Like, honestly, the match I thought would just be fine. It was a really, really fun match, was that. Um, and they built a little feud between Dan Maloney and Curtis Chapman going forward, it felt like. And people really wanted to see Maloney again after this one. So I'm hoping that he's going to be a regular on shows from now on. And Eminem K. McKinnon, they work as a tag team. Maloney's also got someone that stands out. He's also got a look that not many British indie guys kind of have, which helps him stand out a little bit more as well. Um, so that was a real highlight. Um, the other stuff, they continued the Shah Samuels, Bodum, Aussie Open feud that I'm a big fan of. Um, I don't know if I'm a big fan because I've seen all of the angles and I've been there for a lot of the stuff. But I, I feel like Josh Bodum and Kyle Fletcher legitimately hate one another. Mm. That's the impression I get from it. <laughs> um, Bodum referring to... That wouldn't be surprising, really. Oh, no, not one bit. Um, but they had a, a decent match as well. I thought they maybe could have gone for a bit more of a crazier brawling style at points rather than the kind of indie match. I thought that was something that I would have suggested considering the nature of the feud. Um, but they advanced the storyline well there as well. You then got a Shah Mark Davis match, which did exactly the same. And then that broke out into this crazy brawl 
where the entire roster, other than Pack and David Starr, ended up in the ring battering one another. That was bizarre, but kind of hilarious and kind of really got over the crowd as well. Everyone going mad. Um, some good Curtis Chapman, Dan Maloney in there again as well, which I was happy with. Uh, <laughs> so that was another real highlight from the show. And then the main event between David Starr and Pack was another really good Pack match that I saw over the weekend. So from being so down on Pack, he's really gone up in my estimation over the last month or so. And this is another really good weekend for him. Um, did you guys hear about that match and what happened at all? I look with trepidation. I was a little bit worried because I was like, I kind of felt like I knew what was coming. But it sounds like they did, they did it in a creative way. Uh, yeah, they did. If I don't love it. Yeah, it played off the Zack match and the way that ended as mm. well. And you had the stuff with Roberts and Star that continued. Star was great throughout the match in terms of the way he was torn in pack, the stuff he was saying about Dragon Gate. Uh, <laughs> what was he saying? Uh, he was just asking, sort of talking about, like... He was threatening to step on the bell. bell. It's only yeah, fucking Dragon yeah, Gate. Did he say that at any point? Yeah. No, he was asking what he's protecting and stuff. <laughs> but then there was a great spot in the match when Star got the Dragon Gate belt and said, ah, oh, this is what you're protecting, is it, Pack or whatever? Oh, and he kept referring to it as Neville. There was a great bit at the beginning where he called him Adrian and then said, oh, no, they took, they took that name away from you. Sorry, Neville. Oh, they've taken that one away from you too now, Pack. And then he just kept referring to him as Neville and Adrian throughout the match and kept taunting him. That was hilarious. Uh, but with the Dragon Gate belt at the end, he took the belt, it was on the floor, and he was like, oh, so this is what you're protecting, eh, Pack? And then went to stand on the belt and Roberts pulled it from underneath him. And then that led to the ending. And... Jesus, that was loud. And as a finish, that really worked. Um, and people weren't too disappointed with the way it ended because they played off the what think how much press the Walter stuff got. Mm. They played off what that Walter stuff got. And I thought it was a really smart way to use the heat that Dragon Gate belt has got pack in the UK mm. and to play off of that as well. And to play off of Pac's whole story on narrative in Red Pro so far, which has basically been disappointment because of fucking Dragon Gate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it. Dragon Gate's kind of the, kind of the big heel, though. Um, yeah, I don't mind Until that. I mean, Ben K rides it to glory. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, and then and then a David Stark. And we, I mean, I would say like who means more to Rev Pro right now? It's David Star, isn't it? So I still don't love it. It was fine. Like it honestly by the end of it, mate, with the promo with Quildum, the 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 loss didn't matter. See, I don't like the sound of that though. Like this quilted stuff. What is it like? Uh, he's putting company versus stars rev pro career or something like that. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's very confusing, and I'm kind of like what? But the promo segments are good. Mm. If you're there in the venue, people are into it because people love star. I I don't know. I'm willing to give it a go. It's confusing, it's odd, it's very unrev pro, but they are telling stories as well. They are giving stories a go and letting them play out of the shows. I think they could do a better job at promoting some of those stories mm. and maybe doing some more video packages, releasing a bit more stuff on YouTube at times as well. Mm. JP told me they did release the Star um, Quilled and Promo from this Sunday's mm. cockpit on there, which is a really good step. It's an odd storyline, but. I think in the venue on the day, it's going to be over as well because Star is over in such a big way. I don't know where they go with it. I don't know what mm. the direction of this is mm. at all. 
and it's very unrev pro to go over what sounds like a very WWE based storyline. Yeah. But I think Star's so hot right now that he's going to make anything work. Like he didn't lose anything in defeat mm. to Pack and managed to basically get himself back over within about five seconds of taking a pinfall loss. It's also external to all of the sort of Walter Devlin stuff as well. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. So it's like kind of refreshing change of pace. I don't know how you'd feel about this, Benno. How would it feel if they released like a cockpit card? I don't know, whether, even if it had like a month delay, but on occasion just release certainly a few matches. I'd do a match keep, a month. Definitely do a match a month. Or it's not a couple. A month, yeah. Because I think this would be like, I'd be interested to see how that does. Obviously, then there's the production stuff that you want to get sorted out with that. You mean on like a YouTube or something like that? Yeah, but just on YouTube. Because mm. I think people aren't, I mean, I don't think they're necessarily going to subscribe to Red Pro On Demand. Well, this is the thing, yeah. It's like shows. the criticism we were saying last week, you know, I'm in a crowd full of people in Manchester and they aren't the, how many people does the cockpit hold? 200 people? 200 yeah yeah they're not the 200 people are they and i don't know how many people are watching on demand so these stories do kind of get lost that would make sense but again to do that you'd have to improve the production um and you still have oh, the problem yeah. with with it i don't know it not always translating it uh, wouldn't be the worst idea though yeah to keep people because engaged in these stories because yeah I'm, I'm one of those people who was like oh yeah i, I know these stories are going on mainly because joe's mm. telling me um and you know from the odd we- but show that i force myself to watch uh yeah that wouldn't be the worst idea we've i mean we've had like we've been obviously said the issues we think are around the rev pro product at the moment what i would say in terms of the star storyline it is something different mm. and they need to try different at this stage and they're using the best guy for it as well like he is mega over may not work but do you know over. what it would be the sense of you of course it's how he gets the belt. That's the, the other yeah, thing as yeah. well. And if, what, if, what if Quilden loses the company? It's just it's, it's bizarre. <laughs> and who's he going to face? Who who the fuck knows? Star doing the ring announcing in the Andy Quilden voice. Yeah, which is hilarious, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or take a David Starr sold out. It'd be like the uh, the social justice warrior version of NWO sold out. Uh, I think he could do something. Oh, yeah. He'll have the Young Turks on big sweet <laughs> videos around Red the place. Red flag flying at the start of the show or something as well. Yeah. Be up for that. Yeah. Things can only get better. Mentioned that in the last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to say as well, my biggest criticism of the show is El Fantasmo's inexplicable heel turn which never happened on a Rev Pro show. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people are confused by that. People who don't watch New Japan, who go to the cockpit shows, were kind of like, hey, like, he's a heel. Like, I saw him at York Hall when a belt as a major baby face. He's been a face here for the last two years. Yeah, I don't like that at all. I wish they'd have kept him face. They had him team with Hikaleu, who is maybe the tallest man I've ever seen up close in my life. He's not very good. Taller than uh, Andy Ogden. Oh, oh, yeah, he can tower over Ogden. Ogden better watch himself if he comes to a sick Aleu, that's for sure. <laughs> I don't think Andy's going to try and fight him, at least. Gabriel Kidd's on Rev Pro shows at the moment as well, mate, so they probably both take Andy out, let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> get Sam Bailey in the mix as well. Could, it could get nasty. Get Jeff And he's a there, lovely bloke. Why is he browsing anyway? Who knows? But yeah, Hikaleu's got a way to go. I'll say that. Um, White Wolf dissension as well, with a bit of a split that they were teasing Good. as well. So. A-Kid should be a singles wrestler. Like I, I, yeah, I like them yeah. as a team. But what we, like we were saying last week about Rev Pro, you want to capitalize on that. A-Kid's going into Battle of Los Angeles. You want to you wanna do, you wanna be doing things like that with him. He should be in the big Rev Pro singles matches. 
Yeah, I'm hoping if Osprey uh, comes over for a York Hall show this year as well, they do Aikid Osprey at some point. I know they did it in White Wolf, obviously, but seeing it on UK shores as well and would be a great way to help Aikid get over that little bit more as well in defeat, I think. So, yeah, there's some good storytelling there. They've been teasing that split for a while and it seems to finally happen. So, yeah, overall, this was a really good show that advanced storylines mm. quite well. Um Rev Pro for all my doubts on them and all the things I think they're not they could do better with in terms of presentation identity stuff the live shows and them as a live promotion I still perfectly enjoy fair enough um, yeah it sounds like a fun show I do want to I think going to JP's point about putting things out free like a David Star pack match that should be out free somewhere you should be able to, be able to click and watch that I believe the mm. the show's up already though it is on the on-demand I've got the on-demand uh, I think I'll have to watch that um, but yeah, I guess we'll see where the where kind of the crazy story goes. But I think the biggest thing for me though, you, you were there at the at the cockpit live. I was in Manchester watching Progress live, and my biggest thing was like li- listening to those names who were at that Rev Pro show. It was like at Progress, I was like, "Where's David Starr? Oh yeah, he's at Rev Pro. You know, even down, you know, where's Ozzy Open? Oh yeah, they're down at Rev Pro. Quite interesting that like that these wrestlers were, were I don't know maybe it's the last minute way that progress are booking their out of london shows at the moment but very interesting that yeah they're, they're going to be on a, on a cockpit show rather than being on a progress show pack as well you know surely be the obvious choice for that newcastle show on saturday i was just in manchester but imagine if he turned up there um yeah interesting to see the the difference in yeah who can who can book who at the moment when the when the two promotions do go head to head um but yeah uh, pro i was a progress manchester and it was I had a fun time. Um, it was the definition of a one-match show is probably the the one thing I would say. Walter Ilya Dragunov was the main event. Walter Ilya Dragunov is the only match that you really need to go out to UA to see. Uh, I know, JP, were you watching a bit of Chapter 90, were you, uh, before we I was came on? I was going to, and I didn't get around to it. So at some point, I do need to have a bit of a progress mm-hmm. catch-up. But um, it's quite, I suppose, things are now slightly easier for me to be able to catch up on a couple of things. But it's to be honest with you, it's not going to be whole chapter shows. It's going to be selected matches. So, yeah, well, when I heard about Walter Ilya, just thinking, yeah, that's that's the one to really see, is it? Yeah, that's it. And the reason I bring it up is, like, I was watching that Chapter 90 show, and I've not finished it yet myself, but there's a clear rebuilding attempting to go on in progress at the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. Obviously... Right. Natural Progression series is coming up, so that's the main reason they're using so many of the quote-unquote young boys. Um, but we're getting weak undercards right now, and I think I can take that as medicine if it, you know, leads into us, you know, eventually getting, you know, some more stars in the undercard for progress. Um, at least that's what it feels that's like. what they like, did before, though, isn't it? Yeah, it feels like that's what the tactic is right now, but... They're doing it in such a weird way. So, you know, I go into this chapter 62 in Manchester. 92. 92, sorry. And I'm, unless, you I'm, went, unless you went back in Doctor Who's tunnel. <laughs> oh, don't give them ideas. But I go in like knowing that Do Not Resuscitate are, are feuding with more than hype. But similar to what Joe, you were saying there about the, I don't know, the, the, the Rev Pro problem that there is sometimes where if you're not following the VOD, you don't really know what's happening. Was I supposed to know that that you know the the ins and outs of this feud that they'd had on previous nights? Surely, they just threw them out there. There was a, a couple of matches on the show. You know, 
didn't resuscitate at a tag match with more than hype. It was Spike Trevay and William Eva against Darren Kearney and Nathan Martin. And it was just thrown out there as a tag match as the semi-main event. And I'm sorry, but I mean, I'm aware of the story going on, but I've not seen any of it. I've not seen Spike Trevay talk it up, which I'm sure he could. I've not seen William Eva talk it up, which I'm sure he could. You know, even Chuck Mambo could talk it up. He had the match with uh, with LJ Cleary uh, on the show as well. I mean, I... I I just yeah, it did it didn't really mean anything. And I think if you're gonna go with the like these this this influx of, of young talents, I think you need to do a little bit more of that. Because otherwise they're just gonna mm. die in these spots and people are gonna walk away just talking about one match and and not what really is a you know, I saw the more than hype lads talking on Twitter as this the being the the biggest match of the of well, the one of the biggest weekends of their career. Um, but I don't know. It should, for me, be a bigger deal that they're there in the semi semi main event. That's not to say LJ Cleary and Chuck Mambo wasn't very good. Uh, it was uh, LJ Cleary is obviously of the three got the well at least for me got the the, the most potential going forward. Yeah, the most yes, personality yeah. stands out the most. He's the one of the three who everyone knows his name. Uh, I think the other two do kind of fall in the background quite a bit. He looked good against Chuck Mambo. It was cool that they gave him that that. He got a win against Chuck Mambo, which is a you know a, a vote of confidence from progress in him. Um, but yeah, the problem in doing that again is that the the crowd aren't going to be hugely familiar with them. And yeah, as I mentioned before, they did a a Jordan Devlin Connor Mills match on the undercard as well. Um, I don't know what happened to Maverick Mayhew. Does he still exist? Is he still a wrestler? Uh, he, I wonder. They, hopefully, he's not injured. But. Yeah, they don't seem to like to to use him anymore. I mean, the, but that was another one where. Jordan Devlin's quite clearly going to be going over, but they give they give this was like the semi main event of the first half, and they gave Connor Mills lots of offense and gave him lots of you know chance to to at least get over with some of his big moves and to get over with his selling and to just look somewhat competitive out there with Jordan Devlin. But again, you know, he's another chance the progress have got to take right now, uh, and he's someone who he's fine, but I think only 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 meets a certain level um so yeah i'm kind of mixed on on what they're trying to do right now with with breeding in these these younger wrestlers and putting them in these spots on shows because on the one hand it, it's kind of giving them every chance to get over which you need to do but on the other hand it it very much kind of hits the i would say jp the, the overall quality of the show yeah it sounds like it i mean it, it's as a as a live experience with the crowd into, you know, were they completely dead for for long period? Oh, I say completely dead. Was it quieter than usual for Manchester shows? I would say Midland. I thought the atmosphere was really good, especially in the main event. Um, okay. It was a rather the atmosphere. That, that, that was the only thing that seemed to get any buzz that I, I mm. saw about from that show on that day. I also think as well, they've had three shows in quick succession. Mm. They've had the Camden one, then they've had the Newcastle one immediately followed by the Manchester one. Mm. So that's where possibly from a storytelling perspective, unless you're kind it's of tough. really on it, yeah. you are gonna you are gonna miss stuff. Mm. So in some ways, when you're saying about like the feud between more than hype and do not resuscitate, it's like I you know, I'm still sort of baffled that do not resuscitate is still a thing. Yeah, I didn't mm. know either. It feels to me like that main event they just imported someone else's product again. <laughs> I did super strong well, star and final to try and get some attention and some hype yeah well to that point like the as far as the important stuff like the, the main event of the first half was jonathan gresham against eddie kingston like i mean right. that's the is that a progress match like that's like such an odd i mean i love eddie kingston got a photo with him yeah. lovely bloke had a nice chat with him love jonathan gresham 
what a weird match though. And it's like, I think that's why, again, I'm talking about this as a one-match car because they had a, a solid match, you know, Kingston's brawling against Gresham, you know, being the smaller man and trying to grab holds and, and fight from underneath. And then the match finished with a count out. I don't know whether Kingston having, you know, lost to Walter and the night before had something in his contract where he didn't want to take another fall. But again, you know, you're looking for something in the undercard to kind of balance out the heavy use of of younger guys and, you know, and to their credit, non-WWE contracted guys, which is something I've been asking for. But then even that doesn't really deliver because it's an okay match with a, a really, really head-scratching finish. Um, Trent Seven and Paul Robinson was all right. Uh, Paul Robinson's one of, you know, maybe not to uh, to everyone's face uh, tastes on Twitter. Um, he definitely... Yeah, some of the stuff he comes out with on there is uh, probably unadvisable. But as far as in a building goes, he's one of the he's always one of the highlights on the show. But again, Trent Seven's supposedly uh, one of your big names in progress. They protected them in that Walter defeat, didn't they? Um, they've def- protected him here by giving him a bit a big win over Paul Robinson. But does he really mean a huge amount to your undercard right now? Uh, it's just such a a weird period for, for for progress. If anything, I'd have Paul Robertson going over in that position. Like I, I went with my brother, who's uh, not a wrestling fan, who's only been to one progress show mm-hmm. before, and the the two wrestlers. And I'm going to talk about Walter Ilya Dragunov in a minute. But the two wrestlers he came out talking about are Paul Robertson and Ilya Dragunov because I think with Robinson he's such a big character and he's so entertaining in these undercards. And I think progress feel like they can beat him. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, we. I, I suppose Trent Seven's a name you can mix in, but I don't know what you get out of like pushing him really hard right now either i mean maybe it sounds like progress can't win with me because the the trying different things on these undercars and trying to very i mean this wasn't an nxt uk show well the main event you could maybe even argue it might be but overall it was a progress feeling show as far as 2019 goes whether that's a good or a bad thing but yeah it just feels like right now yeah there's a a lot of experimentation going on and yeah not all of it um well um, to be honest the, a good chunk of it is landing really for me ah they're dumb <laughs> wow <laughs> ah come on ring of honor 2008 9 <laughs> <laughs> i wanted it to be good it was done it never got good again let's be honest really <laughs> this is dumb um yeah, I've got no interest in this show. I might watch the main event. Watch the main I event. I just feel like I just feel like I'm wasting my time watching progress at this point in time. They're not cool anymore. They're cool for people who know nothing about wrestling, and everyone's <sighs> willingness to be good and trying to make out is good a lot of the time. They were done a long time that's, ago, that's and a... the nail it will be officially put in the coffin. This say that you'll be when WWE Network do a, t- a live progress anniversary maybe, special. maybe the under show mate yeah <laughs> it's, it's funny because like i would say i don't know not much about this undercar gave me much hope for progress going forward but mm. i don't know i wouldn't i don't know i'm not, I'm not for sure if the death and else there but i would say mate notable for me was really notable and i've noticed this difference when i saw a bit of the last camden show as well like the two biggest moments on this show got that got the biggest heat one was Walter coming out and, and being announced as NXT UK champion. There were noticeably louder boos when he was announced as NXT UK champion wow. as opposed to just his own announcements. And that happened in London as well. And two, the other thing was Jim Smallman 
having to kind of at the end of the Manchester shows, it's usually a case of and our next show is 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 here and and when, you know, in a few months or whenever it's gonna be. You know, bear in mind they haven't been in Manchester since last like late last year, and there is no date going forward. And when he announced come and see us in Camden in lieu of you know announcing any more Manchester dates, by God, did he get some peace? Like he had to backtrack a little bit. Um, and try to kind of go on about how much oh, we, we love it. We love it when we come out of London and you know, these crowds are some of the best we get up, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, I feel like the the hardcore Progress fan, even the people who were still cheering, you know, Progress along when we were kind of putting some of these things out last year, the seeing through the NXT UK stuff and the seeing through the fact that, you know, we're not getting any more Manchester dates, just like we're never getting that replaced Birmingham date anytime soon because this just isn't the priority anymore. Well, they went fucking mad when WWE UK champion faced 205 Live's Jack Gallagher after Progress champion Travis Banks beat New Japan junior heavyweight champion, I think at the time, Will Ospreay. So, you know, uh, they kind of laid their own bed in many ways, didn't they, by not being, by not actually considering what they were cheering or what they were getting excited about and just going along with the show. Um, Yeah, if you go along with stuff, you're going to end up in shit a lot of the time. You should be questioning this stuff. And for me, Wembley is the equivalent of the Georgia Dome doing 48,000 or whatever it was in 1998. And WCW was going down. And yeah, this mm. is over. They're an irrelevant promotion. I've got no interest anymore. I've shouted and raved about that promotion enough. I just feel at this point, what's the point? I think where I am at... Do we have to give them coverage? What's the point? Well, I mean, I think we've got the freedom to not cover them necessarily. Yeah, and I was going to say, it's, it's gonna, something that's going to add on to it. I'm, I, there's still things from it that I'm intrigued in seeing, but watching mm. entire chat shows, and it might have been because of Super Strong Style, because doing that as the VOD experience, as opposed to being there live, that was such hard work. And I kind of thought at that point, and I'd said, I was like, I, I'm kind of done for the time being. I think there's still these isolated pockets that I want to see. But I'm at a point where it still isn't, it's not a priority. And it, you know, at least this is me thinking as a fan, because I'm so down on NXT UK and what effect it's had on the British wrestling landscape. That's not something that I kind of, you know, feel particularly good about whether or not it's the what Iraq was to Tony Blair's premiership is the the <laughs> thing that kind of turned people against oh, them. Small- That's a terrible comparison. <laughs> so we got Smallman as Blair. Oh, don't. No, we can't compare oh, the two. come on. Hundreds of thousands died in, in one of them, oh, I Mate, when you think about New Labour and the three, certain three people, there's a, there's a comparison there, but maybe we'll save it for another time. <laughs> You'll have to really think it out for the time being. So there's stuff from it that I'll see. And as a live event, do your brother enjoy it? Oh, yeah. I mean, and again, I've said this last time I took him to shows. I would never have taken him to Red Pro last week because I knew the atmosphere wasn't going to be as good. It still had a better atmosphere. I still think it's presented better better than the Red Pro show last week. If you gave me the choice of Mm. covering Red Pro or Progress, I'd still cover Progress. I still think if you're going to give me a match like Walter Ilya Dragunov, like, I shouldn't get lost. Like, that was, for me... As far as matches I've seen on British soil this year, I think it's 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 up there as possibly the best. It's Walter and Ilya Dragon. I get what you're saying, Joe, about it, but it is it's important from elsewhere, isn't it? It's a it's a match we've seen better elsewhere, and it's a story we've seen told elsewhere. Mm-hmm. But it was still a very good match. I mean, if anything, one thing I don't want to get lost in either with that too is that like the Manchester crowd was so into Ilya, and was so. You said before about you know people want progress to be good. People wanted Ilya to go over. People wanted something new. 
Like I almost would have, like they clearly did with David Starr, and unfortunately they they haven't really followed up on it on the audibly called with super strong style and uh you know in going over there couldn't have been the plan you know he's not on a, he's not on this manchester show for example but they went with it because of the crowd response i'd have called it audible and put Ilya over and gone with something fresh and, and made it different than what you know we're going to do in an nxt uk with walter um because yeah, he was mate. so over that was a great match though and it was better than anything on that rev pro show last week and still for its ills i don't know i would still i still find it even if it's for the bad it's a more interesting promotion to follow than, than Rev Pro is at the moment for me. Something that I've said a while ago and feel this way that it needs to be something that is entirely away from the, from JJG, that this is something that needs an entirely new reinvention with like an entirely new roster. If it's going to kind of exist in really any form, because it needs to evolve from what it was. Mm. And that's the thing for me that, that's where my sort of disinterest necessarily lies seeing is there going to be something is there a new fresh direction mentioned about chapter 100 and about doing something for that but that would be the kind of time to kind of make fundamental changes and they have to work out a way of getting that belt off getting the belt off walter Mm. also at the same time you say about calling an audible on walter (laughs) you had three days where it was obvious he was the most over guy you could probably get it approved Come on, it's <laughs> Walter, and are they going to call an audible there and then? Yeah, true. You know, the, think about William Regal's apparent disappointment <laughs> of David Starr stepping on the. Oh, sacred it was in the Observer, w- wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you think about what the outrage that I don't know um, Uncle Paul and uh, Regal might have if they put Ilya over, and it's not in their plans and the rest of it, like. He was a member of the uh, Kiss My Ass Club, for fuck's sake. moaning about that in a, a wrestling trope of standing on a belt. My God. It's a nothing belt. Exactly. Yeah. I had a good time anyway, lads. I had a good Imagine time. what oh, wrestlers no. were doing with those belts in the 80s. I, I, yeah, look what Paige did in the two games. <laughs> I, I, I get why you had a good time, mate. I think I completely agree with that. I, I see the perspective you're coming from completely as well. Um and I'm sure if I went to a Manchester show with you, Benno, I'd mm. probably have a good time. Oh, the Ritz is a great venue. Like, as an isolated show, I've really enjoyed both of the Manchester shows I've been to mm. before. I And Walter Ilya, if it's a good match, I'm going to enjoy it. But at the same time, there's just a feeling around the promotion mm. that I've, I've got just no interest in. I forgot they had shows at the weekend. It was only when I sort of, JP reminded me yesterday. I was like, "Oh yeah, I'll have a look at the results quickly." Like, shows you the point has got to for yeah. me. It's certainly not must watch anymore. Like the fact that I'm like, "Yeah, watch one match off this show." Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't hugely bode well. But yeah, you never know. Maybe this these it's a free builds gonna work, and you know the next big yeah. stars are gonna be Connor Mills, and they're gonna be William Eva, and they're gonna be you know the more than hype lads. Maybe. It's dead. Yeah. <laughs> I can't convince You're you. You're putting nails in coffins there, mate. <laughs> Holly dead? No, no. She's a big star. Who? Oh. <laughs> she beat Lana Austin in the second match, mate. Uh, Who is she? American women's wrestler. Yeah. yeah. Where's face paint? Yeah, it was a whole thing. Have um, I missed it that much? Yeah, it was, yeah. Not much going on. Um, okay. Yeah, the, there's definitely, definitely, uh, I think, again, my biggest takeaway was that Although the warning signs have been there for a while, I do think, yeah, the, the regular progress crowd is, is, is waking up to them as well. Um, but again, I had a good day out, went to progress, uh, went, well, 
went for a drink in the goth pub over the road afterwards, uh, headed back to Liverpool, oh, oh. and like uh, like most people, I'm sure did, uh, booked the day off work on Monday, because I was saying up for Slammiversary, JP, because obviously, you know, there was a bigger show of the weekend, really, as far as hype goes, you know, did you know? I think, I think the G1 was just basically <laughs> a tune-up for this show, this is the show that that Dallas, Texas was pumped about, and they'd been saying about Brian Cage had been out with the FC Dallas team, <laughs> showing him his, his Impact World title. Look, I, Doesn't I, Steve Morrow work for them? Possibly. Yeah. I think he's their manager, isn't he? Or at least, he at least was at one point. Well, I'll be scouring for that photo afterwards of Brian Cage with Steve Morrow. Let me check. He's, he's, he's on it now. That's going in the but, show image. I would have done. Do you know what? Considering, without going too deep into into it, me and Joe, there's a couple of things as teachers you you've got to do at the end of the year and go through this sort of process of moderation, and it can be quite stressful. In fairness, it went so smoothly up moderation. I could have fucking stayed up and watched Slammiversary live in Just the end. Testament to our professionalism. It really <laughs> is, isn't it? Oh, well, I would have thought you would, JP. Well, Killer Cross Eddie Edwards isn't going to watch itself. Sorry, say again, mate. <laughs> I think it really is, though. I think I'd literally, I think it's me, you. My mates Matty and Curry, and that's as far as I know, is for people who watched yeah. it. And the likes of John Pollock and that who recovered it. My God, Twitter was dead. Like, I was I was trying to scroll it, like, hoping to be all the people kind of live tweeted it and watched it. Like, it's a real, it's like Impact and MLW are like, it doesn't matter how good they are at this point, especially Impact. Like, it, it, there's nothing they can do to get people to watch their shows at this point because it's been good for a long time. Anyone who yeah. watches it would recognize that. It's just people aren't watching it. Um, and they haven't had when was the last time they had a bad big show JP like they haven't like uh, in the, like really? the the Don Callis kind of modern like this era of impact they don't I was do bad say, big yeah, shows the, yeah the Callis Moore era in mm. terms of big shows has really delivered and this one was another really really fun easy watch mm. managed to to get through it and even but, yeah. we've left it till last jp we've got like five we, minutes and we've we have well in fact <laughs> if, if you're listening up to this point there's a good hour of slammiversary <laughs> i'm joking we check the runtime check the show just to interrupt steve morrow left fc dallas in 2008 wow. <laughs> <laughs> and that's hasn't managed since so it tells you how that in my mls knowledge is he's currently the head of <laughs> Youth scouting at Arsenal. Yeah, I know. I remember something about that. I should have picked that up on that straight away. Bloody hell, mate. You should have. Slacking. Slammiversary. Yeah. <laughs> Rhino turned up. That's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah, Rhino. T- it was... Oh, you mentioned about MLW, right? And it, it's interesting because it, it's so similar to MLW in so many ways, isn't it? Mm. Um, ultimately, this show. But it's also quite sad because I think I'm reminded of... Imagine if they'd had like this kind of show if they were anywhere like anywhere near like a spike what they could have managed to have done around that time and the absolute bullshit that they were doing instead to try and drive themselves off that network and it's sad that Mm. at this point and you see the pay-per-view numbers around the 2000 mark i mean it's not good no but really bloody good fun yeah that's it and they're doing it uh yeah it's if no one's watching, does it even matter? But and they're doing it as well without like the losing stars at like a clip. You know, I didn't even mm-hmm. realize that Pentagon and Phoenix were in on this show. They're done. Yeah. I didn't realize that this was going to be LAX's last show, as we mentioned earlier. They're yeah, done. I think they're doing the TV tapings, is that right? They're doing it, and then that's it. That's it, and then they're gone. John Morrison's done with them as well. 
But even in the face of that, they'll survive that. They'll survive the loss of him. Yeah, well, yeah. There you go. Of course, never put a micro. Why? What is it with wrestling promotions? Put a microphone in front of that man. Like I don't get it. Like just never have him talk. He's that bad. Just never have it happen. But like aside from that, again, it still was a very good show. I mean, I thought obviously most notable the main event: Sammy Callahan and Tessa Blanchard. They built up like this whole. You know, we're doing it. We're doing the first ever intergender match and. TNA is always going to TNA because no matter how good it was, and it was very good, and it was a well-told story, for some reason they still decided to put Sammy Callahan over. You know, let's let's put the let's put the heel man over in the in the big time, first time ever intergender match, intergender men, mm. main event that they they were building. That's the most. That's a very TNA decision, and it didn't feel like it was going to be leading to another story going forward. It didn't feel like. Sammy Callahan kind of did the baseball bat thing and it was like a, a passion of the torch moment giving Tessa Blanchard like a bit of a nod um, and that was kind of it and done I hope they, they continue to tell the story because I thought it was a very good match I do think Tessa Blanchard can be a, a huge star in wrestling which is crazy because two three years ago I never would have said that um, she really is great um, but no I really enjoyed that as far as a match goes I didn't love the finish but I loved it as a match and I loved Sammy Callahan is I know he's got his attractors and not all of it's because of what he actually does in the ring and you know mm. who he is as a wrestler. But as far as a heel base goes for a match with Tessa Blanchard, I thought he was absolutely fantastic here, both in the build, in the promos, and in the match itself. I thought that was great. Yeah, they're they're really high on him. He's like one of the I think Callis is on about a strategy of trying to build around sort of six people. And mm. Callahan is very much there as they kind of they're like second top heel mm. at the minute. He's always going to be kind of around there. So in some ways, I wasn't surprised that he won. Um, Tessa Blanchard, it's going to be an incredible statement to make. In some ways, she should be in WWE. Mm. She should be in whether it's teaming with or against Charlotte Flair because she does have, like, I mean, I thought she was really good in this and the way she sold. I love that spot near the beginning where she dives through the ropes and he caught her and then he sort of swings her into the barricades on either side. So it was brutal, but it wasn't like kind of nasty, if that makes any sense mm. when it came to intergender and, and the fact that she slightly busted her nose towards the end did kind of add something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like a level of like violence was- there, there. Yeah, no, it wasn't like Dustin Rhodes, thank Christ. Mm. But, but it mean, was fine as well, because like, the other point is, like, you know, to, to link what you're saying there, intergender's not for me, really, but I really yeah. wasn't bothered by it. Even the fact, you know, she gets busted open and blah, 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 but, like, she She's, she can handle herself. Like, I, if there's any woman, yeah. I, you know, in, in a match with a bigger man that I wouldn't worry about, it's Tessa Blanchard. Like, yeah. both in... I suppose the way she carries herself, but also the way she executes her moves. It didn't look silly at any point. It didn't look choreographed at any point. It just looked like a fight. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm not on that side of the fence usually with intergender, but I thought it worked from that point of view too. Well, I suppose we, you know, we went to Riptide, which is something that prides itself on doing intergender in a way that, and the analogy, I'm always going to bring it up, kind of like Street Fighter. And they kind of did the same thing here. And she's so credible, Tessa Blanchard, that she is someone who you could see them going behind. However, you mentioned, you know, they're kind of losing stars and, you know, losing uh, LAX, who was really their, their sort of top line stars. It depends on how long they can hold on to her for, because she feels like she really should be on a bigger platform than this. Yeah. For me, WWE, and, you know, yeah. I say that, 
because I love WWE, but so both most fit. of the best. She should be in yeah. there. Her and Charlotte should be having a legendary. She team. would. She would stand out there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She's and got it, presence. You you've got to push her if she goes there. She's probably better than anyone on that roster. Maybe apart from Asuka, but she's not been in form. Um, mm. Yeah, I think her and Charlotte is like the feud you've got to go for. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I think. Uh, Maybe that's the reason you don't put her over in a moment like this. Because if it was me, I'd be building impact around her. But maybe they, they kind of know that maybe they won't keep her long term. I don't know. Still an odd decision for me, but no, a good match. I gave that 4.25 on Grapple. I don't know about you, JP. I know the average was uh, four. I went for 3.75. And that's, mm. you know, not necessarily a slight on it. I thought it was. I, I didn't like the post match stuff necessarily with the handing over. But I don't want to see Sammy Callahan kind of do that mm. in terms of the showing respect. I know it was kind of. It wasn't like he was shaking hands or anything, but he's, you know, such a good dick on this <laughs> that it, it works in, in just carrying on that relentlessly to the end. Definitely. Uh, I mean, as far as like other big matches on the show, uh, Brian Cage and Michael Elgin, I was kind of watching. I had no idea if I was giving it two or four stars. Like it was just, it mm. was ridiculous to the point of just like the kind of the, the fly that Brian Cage does is can often for me be silly uh, especially be, being as big as he is it's great that he can do it but like him and elgin were just having a shootout like cruiserweight style if you're into that it's a four-star match if you're not it's a two-star match i i kind of thought it was just a little bit too silly and too much of a shootout uh but i, I thought it had its moments i like that overall on balance i like rich one and johnny impact uh again i don't think mm. Johnny impact leaving's any big big loss i gave that 3.75 um, they were kind of the big matches for me. Yeah. So it, uh, same here for those. I think I gave Cage Elgin four because mm. it was just uh, just a really wild and crazy. And Elgin in these big matches tends to deliver. They built up the the kind of storyline well, and obviously something that looks like they're going to continue as well. And again, Rich Swan here, like managing to get, particularly towards the end as well, like really having a, a, a fun match with with Johnny Impact, which I can't remember the last time I kind of said that, really. It was the last sort of fun match. Mm. Um, I thought the, the women's match. Oh, the monster's lot, ball. Yeah, that was a lot more fun than I thought it had any right to be given. Oh, you love monster's ball, JP. You're old school TNA through. Well, uh, you remember the Raven and the Abyss days when they used to what they lock them have. in a cupboard and make them come out after five days of no food. Was that the gimmick? Mate, they should be doing a 10-bell salute to a picture of Abyss before they, <laughs> before they start. And Monty Brown. It's named after the Halle Berry and Billy Bob Thornton film. It isn't about a woman who loses her husband yeah. on death row. <laughs> yeah. She won an Oscar for that, didn't she? She did. It's... It's not about that. It's it's more that the uh, um, Sue Young sort of returned from the undead realm with. Uh, oh, with I don't care. Oh, I hated him. Stop. <laughs> you don't like the sinister minister. I used to run through all that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought he was very good on this show. Yeah, he's fine on this. He he's the best of the ECW relics. That, yeah. that's, that's the one the, the negative of the Don Carlos regime is like he loves bringing back these old ECW names uh, yeah. we're not a fan of RVD Moose no, mate come on uh, yeah I love <laughs> RVD he's our, he's our mate but yeah. no uh, I don't need to see Rob Van Damme in 2019 no I want to see what, TA sh what Impact should be building around is people like t it's the women's division isn't it Tessa Blanchard and, and matches like that four way the yeah. like 
I liked Ty Valkyrie, didn't they? I didn't expect to go. I'm not a Ty Valkyrie fan. I'm not a Havoc fan. I'm not a Rosemary fan. I'm not a Sue Young fan. And I came out of that match just like all four of them. They killed it. They went out there. They were willing. You know, they took some big bumps and they worked hard and they made something mm. out of what is. Re- I mean, we 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 joke. We love Monsters Ball, but it's it's a very st- it's a silly idea that's kind of I suppose it's less silly in in modern impact. But they really made something out of that match. I I thought that was like a a really really memorable one from the show. I gave that three seven five as well. Yeah, I think I gave that three and R, mm. which I wasn't expecting, but it was it was bloody good fun. Mm. But you're into Eddie Edwards doing his Eddie Edwards is still doing a Tommy Dreamer impression at this point. Uh. And at this point it feels like Killer Cross is doing like an impression of what, what Vince Russo would book Dustin Rhodes to do with WCW. He's a very like seven kind of character at this point. Yeah. Uh. That's not the good stuff. Um, you know, the your mileage might vary on the multi-mans they kinda of did earlier on the show as well. But I would say they as far also- as the big stuff goes, it all hit. They love opening with a multi-man. Oh, I like Willie Mac. I'm, a, I'm, I'm quite high on Willie Mac. I think I think he's he's quite fun. And it's yeah, it opens it up. It got people kind of completely hot. Mm. Um, and even the I I was disappointed by the tag match. Mm. I have to say to a degree because I thought I really like LAX, but mm. I don't know whether or not it's because they're leaving or yeah, did the injury angle didn't he, which was weird. Plus, it, yeah. it introducing the North and adding them to the match, you kind of don't really fit that, I suppose, more flippy style that the Rascals and LAX might have been. Although we did get Ethan Page doing a body slam off the second rope, which I always appreciate. I was going to say, Ethan Page has got real presence about him as well, because um, Josh Alexander necessarily has kind of got that kind of look about him as well. And there's something different. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was like all of these undercard matches, they were fine. Mm-hmm. There was nothing on there like... If, you th- if we're going back to classic TNA pay-per-views, there was nothing on a terrible level there. No, that's it. And the problem is, JP was saying all this, no one's going to watch it, though. Joe's not going to watch it. I'll watch the main event. Good luck. Possibly Elgin Cage, depends on time. Mm. Elgin Cage, you will either love or you'll hate. Nowhere in between. Uh, I'm not sure I like both of them as wrestlers, so I'm intrigued. And the main event, I'll definitely watch. Good story. Yep, again, last year, Sammy Callan and Pentagon was the best match on Slammiversary, and again. Oh, that was great. So. You know, if you enjoyed that, I'd say you'll probably enjoy this too. Um, but again, JP, no one else is watching this. Um, <laughs> it's it's a sad thing, but yeah. Um, I'll be there. I'll be there till it's dying day. Unfortunately, <laughs> I think I'm locked into this death spiral. I think we're in the dying days. To be fair, JP. Yeah, I think we're past dying days at this point. Well, it's. Do you know what? They had the chance. Mm-hmm. They they really they had it's multiple a, chances. It's a postscript that's gone on forever. Yeah. yeah. And it's been quite a good postscript. Mm-hmm. It has been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But still a postscript. Yeah. That's them all over. Anyway, speaking We're of postscripts. Post-script. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anything else on, in, on impact or the wrestling? Anything else you want to talk before we go? Oh, there's going to be so much wrestling to watch coming up in this uh this AEW week. as yeah. well this weekend, yeah. Mm. Big League of Ireland European uh oh. European football nights going on as well this week. That's, you know, I'll be watching that tomorrow. Cuz we'll be talking about that next week. Yeah. We'll be. <laughs> big, That'll be the first half hour of the show. First half of that Second Dumbled half hour AEW, last 3 hours New Japan. I've told you, you need to start this League of Ireland podcast <laughs> with someone. Jump. You, you'll do it. I, I'm not watching League of Ireland. Yeah, you will. <laughs> How am I going to watch it? I've got access to the games. Find a way. <laughs> Look, I don't have to say... Ben, no, you'll do it. You'll be up for it. Throw them on the JP drive and I'll consider it. Yeah, I'm not... I'm, nah, fuck that. The only games I'd consider watching not live are games that are... Great games that I'd consider re-watching. 
And I'm not watching Dundalk versus Shamrock Rovers. <laughs> not live. I'd watch it with you. I'm not watching it not live. Yeah, okay. Don't watch it with me then. Ah, do you want me here? Yeah. What's you always you want? want you there, Joe. Exactly. He wants to punish me with one of his fucking roasts. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Back to that old chestnut again. Oh, and on that bombshell. <laughs> that's it, yeah. Roast <laughs> equal ratings. That's what we've, uh, we've learned this week. But yeah, as you both said, we'll, uh, we will Roast be back. Roast the time. <laughs> we'll be back next week. We'll be talking, like, say, a heavy first uh, proper G1 week. Yeah. We'll be talking AEW. We might talk a little bit of League of Ireland. Uh, and we're talking about everything else that's uh, kind of going on in the, in the world of wrestling. So, unless you've got anything to plug, JP, uh, should we get out of here? No, yeah, let's let's get out of here. Oh, go back and listen to Cruel Summer again for all time's sake. And you're on BWE this week as well, there aren't you? you? That'll be up tomorrow with uh, me, Jamesy, and Martin Batter again. So, yeah, listen to that. And then, yeah, we'll be back next Monday to talk uh, all the stuff I just mentioned, all the big news in wrestling, roasting is, and I'll manage to get Fry Ups out of jail. That's <laughs> right. Right. Crawling in my skin. That one.